Joe, this means you won't get to... It's okay. I already did. Now it's your turn. I'll go with you. You know you can't do that. I know. But I'll go as far as I can. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that puts the plus in Disney Plus. It's Talking the Mickey. My name is Ian. My name's Ellie. I'm Ethan. And I'm Georgia. And we are here finally back. We, we, we did Snow White last time, and we're going, we went from the oldest possible film to literally the newest <laughs> possible film. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it, so I literally, I'm like, I need some sort of sentence to enter the podcast with, and I literally was halfway through the welcome, welcome, welcomes, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. So here we are to talk about soul. Bono from U2 once said, can't sing, but I've got soul, so... <laughs> They know that they can't dance, but at least they know. Let's see how and what we know today. But first off, a real quick couple of quick promos. Uh, first four best film ever, which today is going to be Thursday. We released this, which means on Tuesday we had just released Wonder Woman, a hey. film that may or may not have had some soul of its own. Or that lack, was a fun listen or lack, to today. Or lack I'll thereof. I'll tell you what, definitely a couple of different opinions and maybe a contrarian opinion to a lot of what's out there. I like the ones where we go against the grain a bit. And we went against the grain a fair bit, I think, on Wonder Woman. And on Friday, which would be, if you're listening to this on day one, that would be tomorrow, uh, we have our uh, worst of 2020, which we have called the Resties. Last week we had the Besties. This week we've got the Resties. And a chance potentially for some more audience interaction if you are so inclined so there's a little teaser for that and fear not we are not going to leave the disney content away from our best of and worst of for 2020 we've got the talkies and the walkies coming very very shortly without a definite date being provided at this time (laughs) (laughs) stay tuned it'll be in january for sure we'll get it out in january 2020 talkies and walkies have been postponed due to covid 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 three my brain was going oh shit was i supposed to prepare something no you're fine lockdown three lockdown with a vengeance claiming that lockdown uh, the third can we think of some more trilogy what other films have got trilogies well die hard lockdown with a vengeance that's the whole yeah, point I, I was going to watch other ones i was going with shrek the third i was going to oh uh, what the was third. what was lockdown revolutions oh geez that could be <laughs> that could be a <laughs> bit on the, the nose what was the uh um oh what's it called hunger games third one called do they have names uh, Mocking Jay's the second. No, no divergence is a whole different series. <laughs> yeah. Catching fire, catching fire sounds yeah. right. Lockdown, catching fire. Lockdown, catching f- because of the lockdown revolutions. There we are. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> we're all set there. so we are here fresh. This is uh, day one of lockdown three, but tomorrow will be day one legally of lockdown three. So you can break the rules without it being breaking the law for about, well, as we record it for about, I don't know, five more hours. And then that's over and done with, I think. So it's frowned upon. At how, it's frowned upon. How are we going to spend it? We're going to spend it around a virtual roundtable doing actually a bit of a uh, 
Oh, I was, I was, like, was going to say a five-shaped table, but I'm counting myself twice. I'm counting real-life me and Zoom me as two people. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's that is talk- not a good enough excuse to get to talk twice as much. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> so let's talk uh, instead about the places where we are charting. The first in lockdown Great Britain. Hey, 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 the gang's all here. Uh, in Canada, we are 13th in Brazil. Mm. We are in Denmark. We are 14th in Japan. 15th in switzerland 13th 12th sorry in malaysia so we're just outside of a top 10 clawing in about four different countries this week (laughs) that's very exciting let us in thank you i mean we're on episode i think this is 52 52 standard 52 standard reviews that is insane I wouldn't call them standard i think they're at least above average our standard (laughs) our standard Above average is a nice tie into Wonder Woman. We'll go ahead and do that. But I'm too busy looking at my watch and saying we need to get going. So uh, just a couple of shout outs today. The first to friend of the podcast, Andrew Shevsky, who would like to make a sincere apology for forgetting to do his sign off in the most recent episode. But he wishes he would like to wish everyone a big, great, sorry, a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And hopefully it continues throughout the rest of 2021. I must say, Andrew, you didn't wish us a, a great, big, beautiful tomorrow. And now we're in lockdown. I am totally putting this at your feet and then uh just another one friend of the podcast Dwayne smith Dwayne smith and Dwayne smith who watched soul a couple weeks ago i think brand pretty much like right around christmas time in preparation for this episode so hopefully we didn't make you wait too long and hopefully on the same theme of not making us wait too long ethan hit us with that sweet Hi. sweet disney news oh it's the best day there is no disney news what are you serious it's fantastic no news is good news yeah the hey. only thing i can tell you is that we've just had like a confirmation of the addition to disney plus uk and australia of star is going to join us yeah sick so you'll get all your diehard movies you'll get shape of water uh, How I Met Your Mother, if you want to watch that for like the ninth time. Uh, I have Netflix, so she's going from one yeah. service to another. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll come out, we get some Love Victor stuff, some Hulu stuff, but uh, yes. Eh? Some more content, I guess. Eh, I mean, it's not going to affect this podcast, I don't think. I'm not going to say, let's start doing Die Hard because it counts. And I don't think the star <laughs> stuff is separate. Uh, I think we'd be jumping the shark a bit if we started doing that, but it might help us out on, on uh, Best Film Ever if we decide to do some of that content. I'm sure it would be applicable. And a little less difficult to get a hold of. Less prime orders, more, well, I don't know, just being lazy and turning on the TV. So that is that. So that just leaves us. We are less than seven minutes in. Let's introduce Soul. So, Ethan, um, uh, this wasn't your pick. This wasn't your pick. No, By no. the way, surprise, you need to have a pick ready for the end of the episode. But... But as we as we go through and talk about, see, this is what happens, folks. You think it's a well-oiled machine? No, I just tell people, by the way, while we're talking, think about this. And as you're racing through, stop thinking about other options. And because you were really a big proponent of doing Soul. And it was one of those kind of executive things where you go, yeah, it's just come out. It's the one we need to do. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting conversation, I feel. I think so. So why don't you tell me what it was before, to put yourself in a pre-watching Soul place and go, what was it about the early concept art or whatever it was that made you go, I think we should do Soul when it hits? I Well, my first sort of thing of it was we just done Princess and the Frog when everything got announced for Soul. And we made a big point when we watched that of, 
this is a film with a black lead where the black lead is not black for most of the film. So I went, oh, yeah. maybe this will be different. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe this can be a big change. And I was really intrigued to see how huh. that would be done because of what I'd heard about like the production of it, especially because this was still being done during COVID. And I'll break into that more in the context. Okay. So I really wanted to see how that developed. And also, this was the first pixar film to uh hit disney plus straight away i think it even says it's a disney plus original it so does I'm, yeah this this will be really interesting to see if this affects the quality and also or the legacy yeah yeah i like jamie fox i think he's good i didn't know about some of the other actors in there but let's then leave I knew that Rachel, for when we get yeah, there i knew of one actress in there that went oh i really like her for obviously my reasons so i want to see how she is in that so i thought it was really interesting that I sat down on Christmas Day, watched the film, and went, "Oh, okay, this will be fun." Let's just okay. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, everybody else. I mean, I, I'll admit, I was a bit ambivalent, and I don't know if it's because I was really busy leading up to Christmas, and this just snuck up on me. This isn't one that I had like circled in the calendar, like. <sighs> When when Hamilton was announced, even though I had no in, uh, my my interest in Hamilton overall was quite muted, but when it was announced July fourth, I was like, oh, "All right, let's do this." I, I'm I'm a hundred percent in. I'm excited about this. I don't have the same feeling about Soul, and that might be true. To be fair, though, of most Pixar films, I, I tend to enjoy them a lot, but I don't tend to sit there waiting, counting down the days. And maybe it's because God bless them, Pixar are the people. Well, up until fairly recently who were doing like original content of a lot of the time and weren't just going sequel 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 and then they did but in that in that stretch you know and the downside of doing original stuff is that it's not the same you tend to get excited to see things you already know come back yeah and this isn't that so i was kind of like and jazz you know it's, it's it's not my it's not my thing but you know uh, it's interesting very interesting that they did two films about music so closely together yeah my like i wasn't excited i wasn't hyped to see this i didn't wake up on christmas day and be like oh yeah time to watch soul let's go let's go let's go it was just on and i thought might as well have something yeah. on while i play with legos sure um <laughs> it's a good lego building movie i'll give it that right. um but no wow. it, it was i wasn't like so excited to see this it was just why not all right speaking of <laughs> the best reason well speaking of why not uh georgia why not, why not why not you tell us sure why not why not you tell us uh how are your feelings about soul coming into this um i was trying to avoid stuff because i knew we'd do it eventually and i didn't want to be spoiled because i know with a lot of pixar films there's usually some sort of twist some okay. that's sort of like you don't you want to find it out going into it yeah um and when we watched What's it called? Onward. Was Onward Pixar? Or yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. When we watched Onward, that one got me massively and I hadn't seen anything about that. Like mm-hmm. I'd avoided stuff for Onward as well. So I was kind of yeah. going, like, I'll avoid and I'll kind of try and see what, just go into it quite neutral and see what happens. I've never been spoiled on a Pixar film. I have no oh. idea why that is, but I never have. Interesting. Uh, Ellie, your thoughts going in to watch uh, Soul? Um, I didn't really know that much about it. I hadn't, again, tried to research it too much to avoid any spoilers or anything. Yeah. I didn't. I knew we weren't going to be reviewing it on the day of release because, obviously, you know, we've got other things to be doing on Christmas Day. Um, but Legos. Over, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but over the last however long it's been since Christmas Day, I've seen a few mixed reviews come up on Facebook and things oh, about okay. it. And I've been like, hmm, I don't know what to expect of this now. And I, you know, you always expect a Pixar film to be 
really kind of groundbreaking and amazing and love it love it love it and wow. yeah. I, said, I didn't know I didn't know what it was about um and yeah well I guess I guess we'll come to my opinions later yeah I think I think we're starting to sort of seep through a little bit in a lot of people's commentary <laughs> Uh, I am curious, without naming names, I don't want to do that, but I am curious, when we get to the review part, I'd love to hear kind of what that sentiment was at that point, just that kind of, what was the sort of things you, you were reading on social media, because I didn't really know anybody who had done a whole lot of it. I'm, I, there, there's some Disney Facebook groups that uh, I'm uh, signed up for just for the sake of pr- promoting the podcast, really, and I saw... And they just go gaga for everything. Like I, at least once a month, I get into a proper, legit, like Barb's fired fight with some idiot who tries to tell it me was the, the wild. This the wild. It's I always it. it's always the wild. Some idiot going, "It's a what? great film," and I'm going, "It's really it's not. not." And they go, "No, no, no." And then they say things, stupid things, like, "In my opinion, the critics liked it." I'm like, "No, no, that's not how. That's not no, how. That's not how that's facts not how work. Opinions work. That's not how, that's, that's, how facts. That's work. not how facts work." The, I, I, here's Rotten Tomatoes. Something like 31% or 18 or 19% of critics liked it. And I go, 81% didn't like it. And they go, well, no, in my opinion, the critics liked it. No, that's not how statistics work. You can't. <laughs> this isn't like Donald Trump. I got the 19. Stop the count. Stop the count. All 19 liked it so far. Oh, my God. That's so, amazing. So, you know, that was about it for my experience with it. Uh, Ethan, why don't you go ahead and start us off on the context for Soul? Yeah, so Soul, directed by Pete Doctor, who you might know as the guy who made Inside Out. And that might have a very big uh, effect on the rest of this film. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. Pete Doctor. I thought they I, felt similar. Yeah, Sorry. Pete Doctor in 2016 had just done uh, Inside Out, but a year later he went, Ooh, what should I do next? I did a film about emotions, having emotions. I love how, how you're actually taking us like inside his like yeah. personal inner monologue. We're going inside out. We're going into inside yeah. the man who yeah. brought us inside out. Absolutely. He's like, oh, I've done, I've done a movie about emotions, having emotions. Let's do the dead having emotions. So and you're saying that these sorts of films are a thing he was born to do? Oh yeah, that's okay. his purpose. <laughs> um, Wait, hang uh, on. So, but that's not his spark, though, right? Don't be ba- don't be basic. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, he came up with that concept and wanted to go through writing that. So he wrote it for about two years and then began the proper uh, creation in 2018 and the pitch. And from then on, he decided that uh, the whole film was going to be very, very different, not really centering around jazz or anything else. And then they decided, well, we haven't done a Pixar film that's been very diverse. So they wanted to have a more um, uh, African-American-based film, set it in Queens, in New York, um, to do all of that. And there isn't really much more about the story other than they wanted to have it be very deep and emotional and thought-provoking and about the greater idea of what it means to be human, uh, everything like that. The most that's interesting is very much the the characters and the people. So they really wanted to focus on the character that was Queens and the people that encompassed it. So because of this, they created a cultural trust and that was to make sure the film was respectful to African-American people and for that, they got employees of Pixar and Disney and sitting them down and saying, okay, we've done this, this, and this. How do you feel that would then work for uh, actual representation and real-life depictions? And because of that, that meant they'd actually get the actors involved to talk about their experiences. So even uh, the composers, too, were heavily, heavily inspired by. So uh, the main composer is John Pat- uh, Batiste who you might know from being like the guy on the piano in uh, Stephen Colbert's show. Oh, okay. but he's, yeah, he's very big, uh, a very big uh, jazz sort of influence. And a lot of this information is just through the music. Okay. So 
they wanted the music to be a big part of the film. So they have three different composers, one for when Joe's alive and that's John Batiste. And it's very jazz centric, very human, very basic grounded. And he wanted that to be um, sort of more based around uh, like friendly jazz. So people who don't know much about jazz and is an easy in. And then later on, when they go to the afterlife, they mm-hmm. get Trent Reznor of nine inch nails. <laughs> Tell you what, he's done a bunch of film scores. Yeah. He did so the Social Network. And, and, oh, yeah. yeah. He did that with Atticus Ross. Who also yeah. Did this. So they wanted to have that all ethereal and overwhelming and comforting when they're at the youth sem- seminar. Um, but everything else, I guess, I can go more into throughout the throughout the film. There really isn't loads of behind-the-scenes stuff no, about the production, right. but it's more what everything means, which, I'll be honest, gave me a better appreciation, I think, of this film from an animation point of view. Okay. Oh, actually... How did I forget this? Because I mentioned it. This film was created during COVID. So because of this, uh, right when the pandemic started, they gutted all of Pixar Animation Studios and gave all of their animators uh, computers to animate on. And within six, when it started, they'd done 48% of the film. And then during COVID, they had six weeks to continue it. And they did the entire 52% of the rest of the film over Zoom, just from their homes. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Which I, is amazing to see them do. Yeah. I've seen a lot of Zoom meetings go wrong, so good on them. <laughs> I saw some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff of their Zoom meetings, because there's a lot of Pixar pets. I think my favorite one was someone's to- tortoise, uh, like baby tortoise, got on their com- keyboard and just completely killed the call for them, which was the highlight and I think the most Pixar thing I could have seen. <laughs> All right. So I guess we're good to uh, tackle the film. Hopefully we'll be faster than a tortoise, but just as victorious. <laughs> uh, so uh, we do get that identification of a Disney Plus original. And I'm mm, interesting what that might mean in the great is this one that's going to fly underneath the radar because obviously things that are on soul i mean twitter and social media sure but you're not going to have the plethora of adverts that a t that that like a cinema release would would have guaranteed and what does that do for the um profile of a film when you don't see it being advertised no matter what the buzz is on socials uh i loved this and it was a trick they pulled out of coco as well you get the disney logo but you get like a kid's band playing the refrain poorly <laughs> if i was thinking i would have had that set up ready to go but yeah that was I really really concept, good but it really hurt my ears well i mean coco was a mariachi band and i went nice i really like this the Cocoa one. i like because it feels discordant it feels like you're supposed like you should go if he's a, a musician p- pardon me Gives it like a bit more character. In it life. does. It's just not the same old like, you know, push play. It's a Disney thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's a Pixar's little spin on it. They always do. Um, and so uh, Pixar then does the same thing. Over, I mean, the, the sound basically of the film begins during the Pixar screen, which uh, I, I maybe I'm a bit of a purist. I like, you know, the actual sound of, you know, the, the lamp jumping across. And yeah, I like that. Yeah, as Georgia continues to try her her like her like alternative sound podcast plans, I, was, I thought that was quite good actually. So, uh, if there are any Foley artists out there who need like an apprentice, Georgia is right on. I'd own. love to do that. 
<laughs> and then we meet, is it Mr. Gardner? Is that his name? Uh, Mr. Gardner, uh, yeah. Gardner, sorry, Gardner. And you know, uh, I don't know if anybody caught this, but as this band is playing really, really poorly, uh, the song he's got in the background, it's called Things Ain't What They Used To Be. <laughs> Which oh. I thought was a nice touch, actually. Yeah. And I thought it was like being transported back to childhood. See, the, the yeah. band, I, I, it's really Lunch weird. I, band I guess I would have loved to have heard it now from my teacher's perspective, but I thought our school band sounded pretty good, actually, in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> I think it did when it was like kind of at concert stage, but definitely in rehearsal. Oh, we had a good... Sometimes it was not... Yeah. We had a good music program at my school. And so I think it was one of those things where it was always just in a general state of being all right, I think. But um, they go, and there's only one kid in the band who can actually play, and her name is Connie. And Connie plays a trombone. Connie's good at the trombone. I like Connie, especially because she's a brass player. Is that right? <laughs> she kind of gets lost in the moment and stands up and starts riffing, and the other kids start making fun of her because, you know, she's talented. Uh, I don't know. Is, this, is he a middle school band teacher? Is that what he was? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think by the time you get, you get to high school. And by middle school, that would be like British key stage three, I suppose. But also, if you're in a swing band, then that's literally what you're supposed to do when you get a solo, like stand up and improv. Right, but the rest of the kids are just there because it's music lesson time, not because it's what they want to be. Because yeah. he works at a school. So in North America, unlike, it seems, Britain, um, you would actually, at least in Canada, I don't know if the States is the same, but, but this film might suggest it, uh, you would actually go ahead and, you know, you would take music as a class and you would sit there as a timetabled lesson with everybody else and you would have your lesson there. Yeah, Georgia. So we have music as a timetable class. <laughs> at least I did um, through, like, Key Stage 3. So it's like year 7 to 9, it's like 11 to 13, oh, really? 14. Yeah. Okay. Um, but those classes consist of trying to play Frere Jacker on a keyboard that's attached to a computer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, failing miserably because you have to share with another person and then coming up with some sort of, like, composition where you're just bashing it into audacity and then finding that the keyboard has got all these different sound settings and making it go <laughs> DJ, DJ and not actually playing any instruments. I forget that's the recorder. What, that's what we consisted as a music lesson. <laughs> we had hot cross buns that we had to learn on the recorder and no one could play hot cross buns in the recorder. Well, I can still play hot cross buns on the recorder and I learned that in year three. That's now, like play the year six, seven-ish. That's, now, that's one a penny, two a penny, but the heart cross buns. Mm -hmm. It's the same as three blind mice. And then the teacher shares a story about being at a jazz club and talks about the player kind of floating off the stage. And this is the, a true story. Is it? This is based on John Batiste. So this whole scene was written like 13 times, I think Pete Doctor said, because originally Joe was like a massive asshole. Because he was going to be a lot more nasty to the kids and be like, oh, I had dreams once, but they weren't stupid like um, yours. Because you're not going to be an astronaut because you can't even pass math, all that kind of stuff. And they were like, well, we, we, we need to get this humanity. So they're talking to John Batiste just like off the cuff and be like, well, what was your kind of story about it? And he, he, he goes, I was like, well, my dad took me to this jazz club and he just starts like everything Joe does is exactly what John Batiste does. Mm. Like beat for beat, word for word. They just took that and then used John Batiste as the inspiration and the animation inspiration for Joe's movements as well. So everything you see is taken directly from reference of actual movements and mannerisms and reactions. So I took the inside of his life and brought it out. Pretty much. Ah! Oh! Um, 
So and, and, and he starts playing, and the kids are mesmerized. And I'm like, has he never sat down and played for them before? Like, yeah. he's like three years. He's finally shown he can play an instrument. It seems like the well, kids are substituting. He's like, I, I well, he's well, temporary. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's, he's part time. I think. Yeah, part time. Yeah. And so there's a knock at the door and a great focus pull from him to the principal, maybe showing the divide between their two worlds. He's there as a gig, but not as a career. She is. She's the man. And I'm telling you, she's offering him. This is Princess Arello, I want to say. Aurelio. And she's offering him a full-time contract, and he is less than thrilled. And I am tired of seeing this storyline in movies of a teacher who doesn't want to teach, but that's just the thing they do so they can fulfill. This isn't waitressing. You know what I mean? I don't know who's falling backwards into all these teaching jobs. It's probably just me as a teacher. But I'm going, I'm just, it's just. Oh, it's even so often the teacher is like, oh, I'm just doing this, especially music teachers. I'm just doing this until I actually can get my band off the ground or paint or art teachers. Like, I'm just doing this so I can have time to paint and they never find time to paint anymore. Yeah. Someone who is trying to be a teacher eventually once I've finished my degree in six years. Thanks, Open Uni. Um, yeah, no, I feel the same. I'm like, no, yeah. I'd actually quite like to do that. Like, I, I don't, not music because I can't play an instrument for shit. <laughs> 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 but I would really like the recorder. It, Apart from the three blind mice on the recorder, yeah, that's all I got. It might be worth saying that in America, it seems teachers are held to. Um, teachers are great, but it seems like it, in America, there seems to be this idea that teachers are underpaid and overworked, yeah. and maybe that's why it's not a desirable job. But see, that's that thing in community when he's like, "Oh, I'm just here for labor." Like, yeah, me too. How long have you been here? Thirty years. Yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of a gimmick. Whereas, I mean, Canada people, people has that idea. Go, oh, well, teachers have a raw deal, and I'm like, oh no, in Canada teachers have a great deal. Which <laughs> isn't don't you know Canadian teachers do okay. We we don't need to be, but Amer- America, you pay your teachers more. Absolutely, uh, Ellie. The thing that really annoyed me about this scene was the idea that they've never had a conversation before about the fact that he doesn't actually want to go full time. It's like just, hey, you're full time now. Congratulations. Like, do they not have to actually ask in this world? I I don't know. But hands him this envelope and it's just like, yeah, like like it's that. I mean, I've I've had jobs where I knew I was a shoe in, but they at least made me do a proper interview. Mm. Like how desperate of a school is to hang on to anybody if they're just like, here you are. Here's the envelope. You're taking it. Good. Um, and so, um, then we meet Joe's mother who runs a tailor shop, suit shop. Yeah. Some sort of garment place. Um, and she wants him to take the job and she steals a large part of the script from Coco. It felt in the process. (laughs) (laughs) Like all that was missing was her like throwing the guitar down and like stepping on it. (laughs) And I will say this, like mom never came off as a piano. It's true. Mom never came off as a villain in this though. Mm-mm. It's a lot it was more like a I'll understanding s- evil, yeah. but like not a was it a neutral evil or I don't know. It's it's, it's just like she's just representative of the system that lawful, he's trying to fight evil. against. I mean, the whole idea of your father being a musician. This comes out later, and you saw what it did to him. I mean, that's very Creed. If you've seen Creed, oh you know, yeah, I don't want you to follow in your father's footsteps. Didn't you see what it did to him? Da 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 da. Um, who played the mother, Ethan? I believe oh look at that voice crack i, I believe it was oh god i'm gonna make sure i get this one right 
just going to Google it. That's all, all right. So <laughs> as, as you Google it, I can just keep going and go, you know, it was, it was a nice little three pack they kind of have between her and her two friends. I mean, they were sweet. I mean, it was just a mother who wants her son to be secure and there's nothing wrong with that. But we get the idea he is chasing his dream. And I guess the movie asks you a lot of ways. Is it wrong to chase your dream? Is there a point where you should stop chasing your dream? A very valid question. Uh, And part of what I thought overall um, was a nuanced representation in a film that I think was a lot more nuanced than a lot of Pixar stuff. Georgia. Found who plays um, his mom. It's a lady called Felicia Rashad. Oh, my word. um, Felicia Rashad is the mom in Creed. No. Okay. I was going to make okay. this joke. I was like, they could they could have used some Felicia Rashad in this. Felicia Rashad, well, they did. Yeah, Felicia Rashad <laughs> is the mum from Creed. She also was the the wife on the Cosby Show, opposite Bill Cosby okay. for all those years. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh. I'm just reading that now. Oh um, my she word! Was dubbed, dubbed mother of the black community at the 2010 NAACP Image Awards. Well, so she's, she's definitely got i mean if we go back if we go back to the cosby show which a lot of people don't want to remember for obvious (laughs) reasons um but they were called i mean at the time in the late 80s they were mid 80s they were the number one show on television the cosby show and they were america's family despite the fact they were black they were america's first family in that respect and so felicia rashad was america's mom so casting her in this role really interesting choice and again maybe why you don't go villainous with it because on some level she you know and she played lawyers and things like that but she was the voice of reason and so i think that's all this is this isn't someone yelling and insulting she didn't say you know what you know you're a hack like don't you want to actually find security don't you actually uh, valid questions i think you can understand though because of his age and all that like it does it does make sense so that i don't i do like there's no I was gonna say there's no real antagonist, kind of, but like kind it, of not 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 in not in the human world. Which no, is no, nice. She did say though, with this job, you'll be able to put that dead end gigging behind you. Well, I definitely didn't like her well, at this point. No, but I think it's the idea that financially, it's been a dead end. It's not led anywhere. That's the definition of a dead end, right? I guess. Yeah. Um. So and then we get a phone. He gets a phone call from Curly who's a former student, and he tries to help a student, call me Joe. I mean, it's always awkward as a teacher if you run into a former student in, in, in a setting. You're like, <laughs> you know, there's still students who I run into at grocery stores and things like that, and I don't interact with on any sort of social basis. And they just go, you know, and they say, hello, sir. And I go, hey, how you doing? You know, if they, the few who come up to me and try and use my first name, and you go, hello, Ian. I, go, I often go, oh, okay, that's the way it is. Just as soon as we leave, it's just it's, it's a systematic respect that you had. I guess now that you're out of the system, the respect then follows follows itself away and generally make them, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Okay, that's much better. How you doing? And then you have that kind of nice, nice rapport with them. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, there's a guy who I um, had for a teacher in the Canadian equivalent of A-levels. Uh, we called it OAC back in the day. Oh, and so the A levels. Yeah, the A. <laughs> it's, That's horrendous. It's, <laughs> you flip it around. It's the levels, eh? So, <laughs> levels, eh? Uh, and for years, uh, he was like, call me on my first name. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. I felt weird calling him Mr. and then a surname. I, f- I felt weird doing that. So eventually, I just wait to make eye contact and I talk. But I, I could never shout them down in the crowd. Eventually, about 10, 15 years later, I actually had a part where I'm like, all right, we're going to try this first name thing and see how this goes but i was well into my 30s before i could do that so curly was an interesting one though because he refused to call him by his first name and then when he saw him he hugged him yeah yeah that's a good point um and he says this is joe says oh man i would die a happy man if i could play with dorothea williams and i'm like noted 
<laughs> I, mean, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, the film's called Soul, but still, I'm like, all right, uh, you may you may be held to like hold to those words. And then as he gets his uh, his. I don't know what he's getting out of the car. He's getting something. I thought it was a trumpet, but he's obviously not playing trumpet, but he's getting something. He's running across the street. He almost gets hit by a car, and I'm going, oh, okay, this is this. And they get into the club, and then there's this thing that happens in film called the male gaze. And the male gaze is usually when the camera lingers on the body of the woman and runs up and or down her and sort of focuses on her curves to sexualize her. And in this moment, this film did this to the saxophone. It was like a slow lingering thing from his perspective on her saxophone. And I'm like, oh, oh, I went down. There's a male gaze on a sax and I love it. I wish I had that Fleur E song. Sax. Let me, let me hear that sax. At which point then. Yeah, but the, 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 ironically about that song, it's called sax. And the whole line is it's like trumpets. It's all trumpets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's not a fan of teachers, as it turns out. Uh, is this what we've come to? Middle school teachers. Uh, he doesn't know what they're playing, but picks it up pretty quickly and then riffs when told to. And uh, I, 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 we said it with the Muppets. We say it with we said it with Coraline on the other podcast. I'll say it here. It can, it's so easy how quickly you disconnect the level of excellence in the animation and your brain oh, just turns yeah. off. Mm-hmm. But this shot with the instruments, I was just sitting there going, everything looks and sounds fantastic. I was yeah. watching this in 4K, and the detail in every single part of this is just stunning, especially on that saxophone. I under, like, there is a reason why we get a male gaze of the saxophone, because it is, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and then everything else fades away, and he's kind of doing this thing where he's floating, sort of the, the, the visualization the of the story he said earlier. Yeah, he's in the zone, as it would later be told. And he's told to get a suit because he looks like a schmuck. That part's not not said. That's uh, <laughs> not into it. And then we enter Soul Final Destination because <laughs> he avoids falling bricks, some cars, then like, which was funny, uh, this bit where it was like a bunch of banana peels and then a bunch of tacks side by side, which I thought was really great. Apparently, that's like a Nine Inch Nails reference. Oh, is it? Because of Trent Reznor. Okay. Yeah. Um, some more cars, and then he eventually. I think he felt was he did he fall down a manhole cover? Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. This film loved to fall to your death, kind of con. I, I guess it wouldn't be much of a kids movie if you got like it's, nailed it's by a lorry. It's not a Pixar film. It's not a Pixar film without falling to your death. Yeah. Um, and so now he's cute, but he's dead, and he's on the literal stairway to heaven. <laughs> it, it might be more more of an escalator at the end, but I'm still taking it, and it's gonna be like he's headed towards the great beyond. And he says, I'm not dying today, not on the day I got my break, not when my life just got started. Now, earlier, I thought he'd said, don't tell your mom on the phone. So I thought he was married. And I'm like, whoa, Joe. But no, it turns out Joel's married to the music man. (laughs) Not the music man, but the music comma man. Um, He is the music man. He is the music man. And comes from far away. It's interesting. Did you guys notice that when the ghosts hit the top of the thing, there's like this bug zapper sound when they get to the top? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> which is what would How happen. Those electronic like fly swatters that just goes. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know if they have them here, but definitely back home and definitely in the states, uh, to, to lure mosquitoes or flies or something, you would have this thing that would be like a, a blue neon light. Oh, the neon lights. Yeah, yeah with the cage around them. Yeah, and as the bugs go in there, it zaps yeah. them and kills them. Yeah. So it was that same sound effect, and he runs away from the the light 
he rage rage against the dying of the light or against the coming of the light and he goes by this one ghost just goes where's my pants and i'm like that's funny that is because none of them have pants but she's the only one who noticed and then uh he does what i've done a thousand times he falls off rainbow road (laughs) (laughs) might not be a rainbow but it it was pretty much the same basic there's no walls and down he goes and there was this i've just gotten all capital letters and i don't have any points underneath it but i said the sequence where he falls and goes from 3d color puffy ghost to like to like 2d line drawing drawing. and back I've i've got it written down this is some of the best animation and best best anything i've ever seen Oh yeah. yeah, this sequence with the animation and the music is amazing. Yeah, because it's called the Trevorverse because all of this was storyboarded and done by one animator called Trevor Hernandez, and yeah. he basically just wanted it to be like a, a feeling of uh, like purgatory and just like loss, limbo, something like that. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. And it was really interesting because this the way that this was structured, especially with the music going on. There is a there's like this game I played called Night in the Woods, and I love it. And it's this very cute animated 2D cell shaded game, very similar to how this one segment looks. And the music is also very similar. And they both deal with themes of like death, even though it's very cutesy and nice. So it's this very weird sense of unease and just like uncertainty, which I th- thought worked really well. I would agree with that. Um, and then he lands into a different region and I've got written down on my notes. His name is Joe and he speaks for the trees. Cause the, <laughs> cause the great before looked like something out of the Lorax. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Felt, it felt very Lorax. And I, I really liked the animation in the Lorax. So I was okay with it. I was, and they didn't have to make it their own, but at first blush, blush, huh? um, it was, it did feel very much like that. And this is where we sort of find, uh, souls before they go and have life. I yeah. felt like the animation for this great before bit felt like it was designed just for a video game. Sure. There's kind of a reason for that. Um, so like the soul world is supposed is purposely like luminous and edgeless. And I, they all think this are like mm-hmm. ethereal because they didn't want to have like any specific culture. So they had to be very sort of basic and blase. So they wanted it to be very world's fairish with inspiration from like more yeah. knowledgeable, it, it- basic forms and shapes. Which it felt a bit kind of Paper Mario-esque because oh it had like God, the 2D, yeah. um, 2D drawings and the yeah. 3D stuff kind of combining <laughs> with like very, I don't know, kind of simplistic, but then also really complex when you stop and think about it. It, it just felt like it was there just because they wanted to make lots of video games to me. And we get introduced to all the little souls who've yet to go to Earth. And um, they're being babysat by these two line drawing people who obviously are on a different, literally on a different plane because it's a totally different style (laughs) of animation to represent them, which was really effective because you could tell instantly who was what. And they were all called Jerry. And Jerry, (laughs) isn't Jerry just Janet from The Good Place? That's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that too. Yeah. I thought it was cool because they use um, the modeling was bent wires that they just put in like random. That's what it felt like. like, Positions. And the whole thing was that they just got all these bent wires, put them into all these different models and then use the shadows as their, as their inspiration then for what they do. And one person actually knocked the table and was like, Oh, this already looks animated. We'll use this for like the fluidity. And that was the whole pitch for the entire thing. And, uh, this isn't the great before rather the great beyond, but it's been rebranded now to the youth seminar. Is that right? You, yeah, youth seminar or youth cinema. Yeah. You, youth, yeah. youth cinema. Is it I youth think. or you? 
I think it's you. you. It was just you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was youth. My bad. So the you seminar. So um, was that supposed to be a, a pun or something? Because I just thought it was. I, think. I thought it was a bad. Came, I thought it was a bad joke. Out. Yeah, and I was kind of like, am I supposed? Am I missing something? I, pref- I, I preferred the symmetry of the great before and the great beyond. I thought like, le- it was like we just need a joke about rebranding. I was like, is it really worth it for all the times you have to say the you seminar for the rest of the film? Unless it's you, like Y O U, and it's about you. Oh, like that, that's that's that, that's how I took it. Yeah. Oh, then I'm an idiot. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is that is how I kind of take that. But yeah, ow! Um, I just stabbed myself with a pen in the finger because I thought the lid was still on it. Um, it's definitely Y O U. Okay. Found the spelling on Google. Um, and so, meanwhile, we get introduced to Terry, and Terry is the counter of the souls, and he says oh, the ca- I love Terry. he says the counts off. Um, this is Rachel House. Okay. And this was so Rachel House is a uh, very popular uh, Maori uh, actress. Uh, you might know her as um, well, wait, wait, Grandma. T- wait, Terry was a girl. Yes, Terry was she's, a girl. She's yeah. Grandma oh. Tala in uh, Moana. Oh, shut up! Really? She's um, Jeff Goblin's right hand man in Thor Ragnarok. If you've seen um, Hunt for the Will of the People, she's uh, the social uh, worker who chases after the main kid in that. Oh. Um, yeah, she she's uh, she's making her uh, appearance now and more mainstream stuff because of Taika, and that makes me very very happy. Um, and so um, we find out where personalities come from, which apparently is just find random souls and just tell them you're going to be aloof, you're going to be shy, you're going to be self centered, right. and just in you go. Like, there's no choice. The souls don't get to choose. They're just told here's what you're going to be. So the personalities, and you get five of them. <laughs> yeah, the personalities are like factory assigned, like like predisposition for sims <laughs> that's it's what very, it was very much like picking traits for sims yeah, yeah it is and so um this is where joe is trying to sort of figure out how he's to get back to earth and they tell him he's a mentor and he says oh no no i'm not a mentor i'm not a mentor and they go it's fine you can opt out and of course they they, they kind of doctor strange portals a lot in this film and <laughs> it's like you could see the the the, the stairway to heaven and he goes no no i'm cool being a mentor and then um, Terry's decided that he's going to go ahead and count, or she's going to count, the library card system that they got for all the souls, which was a great old school joke. I don't know if any of you are old enough to have actually used like a card catalog in a library. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, are you? Okay. Because mm-hmm. you were a librarian I briefly. I worked in a library, yeah. so I've seen the old The old, the old one. <laughs> they held on to it just for like a purpose. I mean, it was in Downham, so. Yeah. <laughs> Still got it. <laughs> and then we go to the video, and uh, they go into this room, and we get this great voiceover that forgetting the trauma of childbirth is one of the great gifts of the universe. And he says... But you know this, you've been here before. And I'm like, well, what? so I thought it was going to go down some reincarnation because I went back and, and rewound it just to make sure I heard that right. And they said, yeah, you've been here before. And I'm like, oh, this is a, this, this is saying reincarnation's a thing. And then, no, we no. didn't ever address that again. No. So I'm like, oh, okay. No, it's because they've been there before as baby souls before they, yeah. were, before they were put into bodies. Wait, what are we talking about? All these kids are getting ready to go to Earth to be in bodies. Yeah, but the the seminar was talking to the mentors. Oh, okay. The mentors are the people that have been there before. I was really hoping it was going because that, that, that might have been a better ending. Because I'm going to talk about the ending at some point. Um, probably at the end of the review. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless I go all Tarantino on this. Um, and so all the souls are missing their spark, and there is a matchup guy. He's here to host this. 
I thought, and I think I got this one wrong because I think friend of the podcast Debbie got in touch. I thought this was Richard Awade, but I think it is. I, oh, is it? Is. Oh, okay, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so Richard Awade. So, and I thought, I thought he was great. I really, I oh, really loved he's this. Fantastic in this. I, I really couldn't love pinpoint this. who it was. I was like, I know that voice, and I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't. I could like almost picture him in my head, like on a game show. Yeah. But I couldn't. I couldn't figure out who. He <laughs> I was refused to look up anybody because I wanted to be. Because it's, it's quite fun sometimes finding out who the voice oh, cast yeah. is. Jamie Foxx I knew about because you go on Disney Plus and it pretty much. Jamie Fox. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I didn't know about our next. I didn't know about 22. Neither did I. But then started listening. Neither did I. But then my 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 um my program version of it like crashed, and I had to like restart Disney Plus, and then I saw uh, it on the home screen the second time. I'm like, damn it. Well, I didn't. I didn't know one, and I had to look it up because it was driving me. Oh, really? Not knowing. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> it's not 22. It's okay, else. so 22 comes out, and 22 has made, and it lets you know how long 22 has been there as well, because the first matchups like 26 billion, 349 million, and then you get 22. And first off, 22 was a really it's a really satisfying thing to say as I was writing it down and, oh, and yeah. I'm like, 22 is all right. Georgia. Yeah. I don't know if any of the rest of you have like uh, numbers that are like your number or like lucky numbers or whatever. 40. 22 Eight. has always been my number. Oh, really? Like so I, I was born on the 22nd of July. I used to live at 22 road. Um, so even since I've been teeny tiny, 22 has been my number especially because in the bingo call out is two two little ducks which i think is adorable um <laughs> happy yeah. birthday to georgia this year there you go <laughs> <laughs> but yeah 22 is my number and so throughout all this i was going oh, i like that it makes me happy <laughs> and we find out that 22 has had gandhi lincoln and mother Teresa previously as mentors and when mother Teresa's name is brought up 22 goes i made her cry <laughs> and we heard she said thousands of mentors and so off they go because they think that in in typical good place fashion they think joe is some swedish child psychologist yeah, yeah. Bjorn borgensen sorry what was that doctor bjorn borgensen bjorn borg bjorn borgensen <laughs> that's got to be a bjorn borg joke bjorn borg is a uh, tennis player i believe I'm pretty sure about that. Bjorn Borg. Okay. Uh, I, there's got to be something in that. And so um, they go to the Hall of You, and at this point, we get to see the moment that um, – because at first, it's it's Bjorn's uh, life, and they t- sort of take it all away and actually show Joe's life. And we see the moment that he actually became in love with jazz. That's, that's shown to us. But then we see lots of rejection and everyone telling Joe – that he's just not good enough or he's not what they're looking for. And he's like, oh, I don't remember it like no, that. No, Joe. It, no, Joe. And so that was interesting because it kind of established the idea, even the faults of our memories when we're chasing a dream. Maybe we we cushion ourselves from the crushing rejection at times as yeah. we, I don't use the word lie to ourselves a little bit or massage ourselves a little bit or manage ourselves so we can continue on in our pursuit of what we want. Um, and he doesn't like what he sees and he goes, he comes to a conclusion that my life was meaningless. Um, and 22, uh, they, they want 22 to give his badge to Joe so Joe can go to the earth and 22 can avoid life and just go right from being a soul to the great beyond. And uh, 22 is actually on board with this because he just wants to skip life or she just wants to skip life. I thought 22 was a boy for the longest time. Me too. Yeah. Um, and says, you can't crush a soul here. That's what life on earth is for. <laughs> um that doesn't work so they go to the hall of everything 
and uh, interesting that we had baking was one of the first things that that's an option. We find out they can't taste and they can't feel and they can't smell. But it's funny, all these sensory details, which will later become so important in this film. And COVID tests. And COVID <laughs> tests. Yes, because you want to make sure you can taste and smell. Um, and then, so 22 goes and runs to something that's called Just a Box, which was great. Just a box, a smiley face. Yes. And like, then, you don't need to come in here, it's just a box. And then they go under a sink. And uh, Joe's going, like, well, what, what's the big deal? And 22 goes like, well, I saw your life, and everybody thought life was all that special, but your life sucks. But yet you want, <laughs> but basically, it's the message. Your life sucks, but yet you really want to get back to it. So I want to see what the deal is, because your life looks terrible. Um, and then we go to Mystics Without Borders. <laughs> and it's like a pirate hippie ship. Yeah. It was very, the, sh- the boat that rocked, like, and yeah. a little bit Centridians when they go on the boat as well. That's the, a, not film. bad. And the guy who's the pirate captain, or the captain of his ship, yeah. the, I, I think Debbie's got this one then, if I got the first one. because This I is could, the one that I couldn't work I out. I couldn't place this dreamed about this. And for moments, screaming. for moments, I was on the cusp and never could reconcile it. Mm. And because I was going, Russell Brand? No, it's not Russell Brand. I'm like, who <laughs> is this? And it turns out it is graham norton graham norton and once i and i didn't know he'd done anything like this so, so i was like oh my god i'm really surprised he got something like this like he's got some le- like there's this channel in the states called bbc usa and he's got and and it, graham norton is very internet friendly he pops up oh, all over yeah. facebook uh because it just seems the celebrities do just they're just more relaxed with him than they are in any of the american programs so a lot of his clips get shared and uh once I, uh, he was good for what he was I loved I was him in this. Surprised in like a positive way, which was which yeah. was good. I say I loved him in this. I do love him in general as well. Yeah, I think Graham Norton's great. He's just like really dry, sarcastic, funny, isn't he? He's very British humour embodied, which is nice to see in yeah. a, in an American Pixar film. And then we find out and we're introduced to the flow or the zone, the zone where people get in the flow, they go to the zone and so we see all sorts of people not just musicians but all sorts of things and 22 reveals that basically you can mess with people who are in the zone if you want and he goes that's the reason why why i hate that team and i'm like what team is it and they threw this ball and i'm or something like that. And i'm like oh okay it's just some fictional team and then no it wasn't it's the new york knicks <laughs> and the new york knicks have sucked for ever like it's a it's, it's a perfect joke considering it's set in new york and it's the knicks and the knicks suck the knicks haven't been any good since like 92 <laughs> it's been a long time since the knicks were... so she, she was saying yeah i've been messing with this team for a while yeah for a think, while yeah, it's, it's it was great. it was a great joke for i'd say any moms and dads who were there but i think this film's a better film for moms and dads than it is for little kids oh without a doubt yeah this I'm not sure if this has that kid-friendly... I mean, in the second act, they kind of go for it a little... Well, they do go for it a bit. I'm not sure they pull it off, but they yeah, do go for it. that's my issue. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, and so... Um, oh, sorry. Then then this, this like creature attacks them, and it looks like something out of a graphic novel I once had to teach, um, where it's just dystopian and dark and shadowy, and it's the lost souls, or a lost soul, who is captured, and then they strip it down of all its lost souliness, and it turns out it's a day trader? Hedge fund hedge, manager. Hedge fund manager who looks down on himself and sees him wasting his life 
um, hunched over a computer chasing this trade. And as someone who's editing podcasts, I'm going, don't look too deeply into this. <laughs> and it's the idea that your passion can become an unhealthy obsession, which I really liked as kind of this, 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 this concept that anything that drives you is great until it becomes too much and it stops being something that you find joy in. And then it becomes something that causes you to become lost and strips your life from you and you lose your life with it. Yes, Georgia. It's interesting you interpreted it as something that he once enjoyed, but now has lost, got lost in it. Because I interpreted it, interpreted it, it as he had never enjoyed it, and he's just got lost in the monotony of it. Well, I, 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 I guess you're right in that it wasn't specifically him. I think it's the cat. I think it's, it's our old buddy Graham Norton who I think says that people who are in the because there's not that big of a line between being in the in, in the zone and being yeah, a lost yeah. soul. So yeah, probably. I mean, he probably was going for things like success and providing and all those yeah. sorts of things, and went down a dark road. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, but he gets the, the lost soul returns to his body. I was like, everybody's computer off a desk announces he's alive and runs away. I'm pretty sure he's paying for all that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but he'll be alive when he does it. So. I wonder if, the, <laughs> I, I wonder if this is the Pixar animators going, we did 52% of the animation, six weeks. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to see this computer again. <laughs> um, and so the captain even goes, I was a lost soul one. And they go, really? And he goes, yeah, Tetris. um and then joe sees uh himself he sees his body you know in a a hospital bed and um he starts to like move his foot and then in the cross cut between this and i guess the real world or earth world or whatever and on earth world he's moving his foot and he's his his mouth starts saying the words that spirit joe is saying uh but he jumps too early and somehow 22 comes along for the ride and i think he kind of knocks her off how can either of them I get how Joe can go back. How can twenty two? How come twenty two isn't rejected? What convenience? Because <laughs> <Probably laughs> the whole movie centered around the idea that you need to do this, which I, I don't think we mentioned enough. Is that the idea that Joe tries to jump into the Earth portal and keeps getting rejected and like re- respawning back in um, in the Great Before, and that was a joke that they obviously thought was going to last a lot longer, be funnier than 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 i did maybe it's one of those ones in the theater you go it's really funny to see it keep happening after twice i'm like yeah i got it this also (laughs) creates uh what's about to happen creates a big question i have of if you're in the zone and you're part of the was it souls without borders can you hypothetically maybe just body hop into anyone you want to because they they murk a cat they They just straight up steal a cat well they do and they don't at the same time that the, cat's on its stairway to heaven. Uh, but but then the cat. Well, let's let's come back to the cat, shall we? Yeah. The cat came back the very next day. Um. So at this point, we find out that Joe thinks he's in his body. He's actually in the cat's body. Twenty uh, twos in Joe's body, and I've got written down. I think I'm much less interested in the film now because they've switched bodies. Yeah, this is my biggest issue with this film. Like, I've seen Freaky Friday. I've seen, like, is, this is a trope. I've, I'm not seeing it in a Pixar film or a Disney film that I can remember, but I'm just going, oh, okay, it's this movie now. My issue with this is, and I'm probably the worst person to talk about it, to, 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 to say it, because obviously I'm not the person involved, but this is the third 
animated film that's come out in the last couple of years where a black person has been turned into a non-black object for the entire film. Will Smith had it in his film last year with Tom Holland. This film <laughs> so kind of you to call that a film. I like right. that film. The pigeon it, film. Was it, was it, spy, pigeon was it Spies film. in Disguise? Is that what it was yeah. called? Yeah. Yeah. I like that film. So this film did it. And then we get to this point. And went, oh, cool. He's going to be back in his body. This might actually be well done. And then they give his body to the white woman. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. I understand why it's done. But with everything else that was an issue with this film and other animated films like it, you would think for a second they would try not to make that issue. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know. Uh, yeah, I've got some thoughts at the end that I do want to. I do want to touch base on. But if I go down that road now, we'll get into it now, and I like it better as an end of sort of uh, as an end game kind of conversation. Um. So the nurse thinks the cat is just squawking, and I mean that was fun. And it didn't over. They didn't overdo that joke where the cat is talking, and then you find out she's going or, or things like that, right? Uh, they think Joe is nuts, and there's a nice jazz score as who I've got called as Twenty Two Joe. As 22 Joe tries to learn how to walk, there's this lovely bit where jazz and sort of the uncontrolled unpredictability of the music mirrors the unpredictability of 22 Joe's ability to walk. Uh, we get told that Joe likes someone called Lisa. I can't wait for that to pay off in the third act. Uh, oh, yeah. One line. <laughs> it, did it happen? Yeah. There's one well, line. I only noticed this because I was like, did they mention anything else? Okay. Again? And only then is like, because he, he says later on, I was like, oh, I don't have time for a relationship when I'm focusing on music. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so throwaway. I did hear that, it's but I so thought that would be part of the, re- the redemption was they get a moment. Would have been oh, nice. no. Oh, there's a nice jazz score as 22. Oh, I said that before. Uh, 22 Joe is ready to die, but then says there's an earthquake in its stomach, which, okay, how do you know what an earthquake? Okay, great. Um, why doesn't Joe 22 remember what food and hunger is if t- Joe 22 can remember Lisa? No, yes. I think he does. He's just purposely not eating because he's going. He no, 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 no. I am. No, no. Joe 22 does not understand hunger. That's what that is. Oh, no. I thought he was just being. No, just no, saying, no, 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 no. Oh, no. I, I didn't. I even, even at the end when he goes, oh, I'm not even so angry anymore. He goes, I'm not even so angry anymore. Joe 22 does not understand hunger. Oh. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Is this, you've never lived before. So this is part of life. Part of life. Georgia, I don't know if I should be, t- you know, part, part of life is eating and, and the enjoyment <laughs> that comes from the enjoyment that comes from food. <laughs> I just assume everyone knows that. No, 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 no. This is this is. Uh, am I wrong? No, no, you're probably right. Okay. I think I think I just like I like food and assume that everyone likes food. <laughs> no, this was just Joe learning learning how to walk, learning how to do all these things. Uh, so that's why I mean that's why Joe twenty two is always eating because he's like this is cool. I really like this. <laughs> um, and so they find is the guy's name. Uh, they find um, um, Graham Norton. Is his name Moonwin? Moonwind, yeah. I think, yeah. Moonwind? Because um, there's that whole joke about, like, oh, this is, I'm Moonwind, and this is Wind Moon, and this is Wind Wind Moon Moon, and, like, oh, this I, is Dream Moon uh, Wind Dream. Yeah, yeah. at this point, I was, I was still kind of turning on the film at this point. I wasn't sure what to make of this. I was like, because uh, <laughs> they came literally out of nowhere, those characters. I couldn't I was even like, hear what they were saying. I was like, nah. what? Uh, the Count, uh, so he seems to know how to put them back, and that's at 6.30. If you go back at 6.30, because we got to cut it close, because Joe's got to be at 7.00. For the gig. But the stars have to be aligned. So, yeah. You know. yeah. Uh, the count continues with Terry. And here's my question. 
Joe fell down a manhole, right? Yeah. He gets up like there's not a broken bone or a bump on his head. He just somehow loses consciousness, and that's what's killing him. He's supposed to be dead. He's supposed to be dead. Like his face isn't smashed in. Just kind of going, he's really graphic. He's so the only thing missing is a soul. That's all death is the missing of a soul. His body was fine. His soul just got scared out of his body. Um, Terry, that cat is just really healing. See, this is where I go. Terry's got the countdown done. And at this point, I thought Terry might have been Josh Gad. Really? Yeah, I I had. I'm like, is this just Josh Gad doing a different voice? Because Disney loves them some Josh Gad right now. Enough to be Josh, and I didn't like him enough, so oh, that's well, there you go. Um, Connie wants. Oh, because we're back at Joe's first, though. And Connie comes by, and Connie wants to quit. Uh, Joe twenty two says, "Go ahead and do it." And then Connie then wants to. This was weird. It was like, look, she wanted to quit, but then she couldn't quit because it's what she was made to do. And I'm like, this is. Didn't, it's like you got to an ending and there was no reason for why Connie just besides because she loves it. Yeah, it's a bit weird. It felt like there was like we watched like two thirds of a sequence. Exactly. It's like you're missing yeah. like it's like there was a part of the film strip that they like took out and like edited the rest between. Like what's what's the middle? There's an old joke on South Park where step one collect underpants, step two question mark, step three profit. And they're like, what's step two? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't collect the underpants. What- I don't understand what you're missing. Yeah. You don't understand what I'm missing? I'm missing the fact... She comes to say she wants to quit because she's being bullied. Then she plays, realizes she loves trombone, and she carries on doing it. What? What's missing? Does she Where say she's she... being bullied? I never yeah, heard she's I'm being just, bullied. I never Who's heard the that? kid from the class at the start? Who all no, no, no. Yes, but she just says she wants to quit. Talent. She doesn't say, I want to quit because I'm being bullied. Just, I want to quit. I don't uh, want to do this two anymore. two together. I thought I it was didn't. just implied. Oh, I, no, I didn't get there. <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't get there. Okay, well, there's your missing step then. No, they have to do a better job with Nova's. No, 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 no. They have to do a better job with that. She slunk in her chair at the start because everyone was laughing at She's her. She's just a depressed little kid. <laughs> She's depressed because her. No, because, her no, because somewhere in her head. Her ins- no, no. Somewhere in her head, Inside Out 2 is happening and we'll be released to that years. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if that was, that was Inside Out 2 and we're going to come back to this kid like years down the line in her story? I would like it if trombones came back in Inside Out 2, yeah. There we go. So uh, if you think about it, the, the shape of a trombone goes inside and then it goes out. Just just saying. Um, and so Terry's going to go figure out the count and we go to haircuts. And um, the cat does a haircut on Joe and it doesn't go well. So they go and see Dez and there's a jerk there who says Joe is Mr. Close but no cigar. And at this point, like, Joe 22 starts talking about, you know, you decide, how do you decide what to do and what makes you great? And what, how do you know you haven't chosen the wrong thing in life? Yeah, Georgia. Did you recognize that voice at all? The one that tells Ooh, him that yes, he's supposed to yes, yes. cigar? I did not. Oh, yeah, shut up. Is it really? I recognize that. Yeah. Because <laughs> he wasn't like rapping at double speed in a French <laughs> accent. <laughs> he was for a brief moment was in he? like uh, Joe's little hall of memories. Oh, okay. No, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Does that little rap? Uh, oh, is he in the rap group? Are yeah, they in the rap yeah, group? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. I didn't put that together. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's very cool. 
So what? To tell, I tell you what did I miss? I missed it was David Diggs. That's what I missed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, if anyone hasn't seen Hamilton or our review of Hamilton, you we, can check that out for our episode. Well, watch it if you have seven hours to spare. Watch, <laughs> yep. watch Hamilton first. That is the slightly longer version of a half of the two, and then listen to the review. But well worth it, I think, on both fronts. Uh, I think it's our second most downloaded episode. So you know, take that for what it is. I think people really like it. Uh, soul 20 uh, the idea though about how do you know that what you're doing is what you were born to do or what you were meant to do because joe had already tipped us off that you know he talks to des about jazz yeah we just talk about jazz all the time and the idea being that des says he wanted to be a vet but you know it was cheaper at the end to go to to to, to barber school and he goes oh it must be unfortunate how you're not happy and he goes what do you mean i'm not high said, I'm, I'm great and I think it's the idea about, you know, can you still find happiness in other avenues? And uh, Des loves his family, and he's got a thriving business, and he's really quite thrilled to be doing it. And it's a nice counterpoint. And it's really just to see everybody surrounding Joe 22 and seeing sort of that perspective, which is a nice power shift. Because up until now, we've sort of been led to believe Joe's the one with the answers. And I'm, I don't think I'm wrong here. I think we all do want to see Joe make it. But it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's what Pixar does. Pixar says you want what the protagonist wants and then they're really good at shifting that over the course of the movie and making us go actually I don't want the protagonist to want that anymore yeah yeah the Pixar endings are never the ending you really expect them to be but they're the one that works yeah they've, they've trained us to want one ending and then, the, the, yeah. then they shift it um so and then as they leave uh Joe asks Joe 22 asks how come we never talked about your life before and Des just goes you never asked and so then we go back into Joe's apartment and Terry's doing like the 2D line thing in all his, oh, this was so good. Oh, I love it. <sighs> and then Terry grabs the bully by mistake, thinking it's Joe, kills him briefly, brings him back, and then like appears <laughs> in, and says, stop eating processed foods, which isn't a bad shout. <laughs> but he even like, he even, he even like, like, like appeared in the ridges of the potato chip, yeah. which was great. Uh, and then Joe, as in Joe 22, bends over and tears the trousers of his very old and tight suit that had been established earlier. This means that he has to go see mom. Uh, and as they're going, um, like Joe's Joe 22 is always eating and he's just eating this bagel and he's tipping this musician, this, this guitar player. And it's very reminiscent of the first of when we hear about how joe fell in love with jazz we see joe 22 sitting there uh, really enjoying um the the guitar and being transfixed by it and um joe makes it to his mom's and mom somehow sussed out that he's got this gig and then joe comes clean with his mom and he's really very honest and there was this great shift of perspective where we're sort of looking over mom's left shoulder and it's uh tina fey's voice and as the camera sort of goes behind and then the character of Joe's mom blocks the camera, when we pers- the camera continues to pan over to the right and we view from the right shoulder now, we actually get Jamie Foxx's voice doing yeah. the speech that he's always sort of wanted to do. And that was, yeah, it was a really clever moment and a really tender moment. And you find out mom's a reasonable human being. Yeah. It's just communication. Yeah, it's about not riffing and jazzing this time and actually just doing, <laughs> playing things straight. Um, and so they come out with dad's suit. He leaves with dad's suit, but with mom's approval. Oh. I know, right? 
Uh, then we go outside the half note, and Joe 22 is looking around, and there's couples and a maple leaf and a falling leaf. It felt like that John Lewis advert where the penguin starts looking around and seeing all the happy couples. <laughs> the penguin, Monty the penguin. Monty the penguin. Monty the penguin that makes you cry. It does make me cry. <laughs> the John Lewis advert has a very high uh, chance of making me cry, as do Pixar films. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, 22 doesn't feel that she, I've written he, but she's good enough for life. Moonwind shows up and 22 as Joe goes for a runner. She wants to find her purpose. Uh, and 22 has been tricked into running into the void. Joe follows and they both die and now end up back at the U seminar. Uh, 22 and Joe have a great screaming match. And I love this because everybody else noticed during this argument that 22's badge was now full. Yeah. Because they, they they make you like you you wait a while for that payoff, but if you're looking, twenty two's badge is full at that point. It's like full the whole time, yeah. Yeah, and so they walk over, and then Joe pouts, and then twenty two gives up um, her, her 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 Earth Portal badge, and um, he's told that uh, this is where Richard Ayoade, who you could always use more of, tells <laughs> Joe that his spark isn't his purpose, and goes, "Humans are so basic." <laughs> And 22 is off. And at this point, I'm going, oh, shoot. She's and emotionally. This made me go, oh, no, because she's on her way to becoming a lost soul. And I'm like, I don't want that. Uh, Joe goes back to the half note, talks his way into the band. They nail it. Joe is now in the band. And I have been listening to Joe all movie long talk about this and making it. And my life starts tonight. And he goes, oh, I thought I'd feel better. And there's the story about a fish. Does anybody have the fish story down? There was a fish that was swimming and going, I'm going to be in the ocean. And the bigger fish says, what do you mean? This is the ocean. This isn't that big. He goes, this is the water. I yeah. want to be in the ocean. And the idea is, well, you are in the being so blind to realize you're in the big time when you're in the big time because you don't have a, the perspective because you're too close to it. And I really had a hard time with Joe at this point. Um, Joe goes home and rethinks his life and he's sort of, it's weird because he's seen it through Joe 22's eyes for half of it. Yeah, that was strange. I guess we like, did get, we got a line earlier that, you know, 22 can understand all Joe's memories. So I guess therefore Joe has all of Joe 22's memories as Joe. Uh, and then a lot of memories with sensory detail, including a really sweet one of him and his dad. I think is, I think they're playing piano together or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was sweet. And a lot of shots with mom, too. It wasn't one of those movies where mom got kicked to the side in favor of the father-son dynamic. And um, I think the whole reasoning for this is is everything Joe's witnessed uh, when he's the cat and 22 is Joe is it sort of humanized him a bit more because he's been so focused on himself and not yeah. his greater community, which was which was a nice realization to just see and not be told i've gotten my notes i think i'm supposed to be crying but i'm not anybody else get affected by this the music nope. nearly got me but okay. like the everything else was more just going oh he's got his humanity and i have to say the music in this is beautiful oh yeah yeah um he gets in the zone here's the question can you force yourself to get in the zone because getting to the zone implies you lose yourself in the music, but can you purposely go, I'm now going to go and lose myself in this music consciously? I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> it, felt like a, if you, it felt like a cheat if code. you can meditate yeah. and, you, and you've got a 
passion for something like music because because the idea is that these these people who are meditating like the graham norton character yep. are putting themselves in the zone a different way and the great joke with the graham norton character being that he's doing it while he's like spinning one of those like everything must go <laughs> like yeah. arrows yeah um too cool uh, he gets in the zone he finds moonwind and they catch 22 but 22 runs away crosscut terry is getting an award that he requested yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is great uh 22 swallows joe uh because 22 is so big and she's haunted by the words she's heard before and you're like okay there's abe lincoln and there's always we had a montage earlier of all the former mentors using their sort of like famous historical words to like burn 22 and then uh we find out you know every what was the one that mother Teresa said every soul has value that goes except for yours um and so uh and then the last one we get is joe and i forget what it was that joe said but the version we saw isn't the version that um 22 remembers which was interesting if you compare it to what happens at the um the exposition of you or whatever the you expo or whatever it was yeah um and so I got down. You'll never find your spark. You have no purpose. Yeah, and it was. It wasn't. It wasn't said in mean. It wasn't meanness. I think it was just said in like a matter of fact. Yeah. Oh, that was it. That was it. These things aren't aren't your purpose. These things are just living. And he says it like that. But in like the in like the the recall, it's like those things are just living. But it was scarier because it was like dark and shadowy. <laughs> uh, and goes. Uh, and then the last, we find out the last box doesn't fill when you find your purpose. The last box fills when you're ready to live. And then he tells 22, you're pretty good at jazzing. And so they go to the portal uh, because the, uh, Terry wants to take him back instantly. But J- Jerry, Richard Ayoade's Jerry, talks him into, no, no, it's protocol. The mentor gets to see them off. And uh, Joe says, I'll go with you. And it was the clip we heard at the beginning. And he goes, you, you, you can't go, though. He goes, I know, but I'll, I'll go as far as I can. And this was a nice moment. Uh, it affected me more of a second time when I was harvesting the clip. Um, I think it was supposed to be the, this. Uh, this wasn't, what was the guy's name in Inside Out? Oh, uh, the Bing Bong. Friend? Bing Bong. This, Bing is some, Bong. This, is, this is some Bing Bong. You know what I mean? The reaction is, which is weird, because Bing Bong's around for 15, 20 minutes. And Joe's yeah. been around the whole film. But this, this was nowhere near that for me. I just went, oh, okay. It's a nice moment. And they separate. And um, there's a moment where, where, where 22 looks at Joe and the, the, the badge is pulling her towards Earth. But 22 has to let go. And Joe just kind of nods like it's okay. And the acceptance that it's okay that 22 is excited about getting a chance to live. That's what, that's what it should be. And it's okay that Joe's okay with that. Um, and you could, you could argue that Joe should feel ripped off because Joe was, was killed on the, on the you know, cusp of... You know, it should have been a much longer life, we feel. Um, and so Joe goes into the light and is on the stairway to heaven and is stopped by one of the Jerry's who say that uh, they want to give Joe another chance because they've tricked Terry into manipulating the count. And Joe just sort of sits there and looks at the portal and goes, thanks. He goes, what are you going to do with your time? And he goes, I don't know, but uh, 
I'll tell you what, I'm going to I'm going to live every minute of it. And we see Joe go back into his body, go outside and kind of breathe in the deep fresh air and that's the movie. And um what were people's thoughts about the ending? Eh. It was a lot more like is I don't know if deep is the word I'm looking for, but it wasn't what I was expecting for the end of a Pixar film. It's very I guess cathartic and almost depressing in like the way that it ends. There's no real happiness to it. It's very subdued, which I wasn't expecting for a for a Pixar film. Georgia? Yeah, I think the whole the whole film is filled with subtleties and on one on one corner that makes it incredible and there's some really nice little details that you wouldn't necessarily notice and all sorts of different lovely things like the just a box which is never made a joke out of but it's just there every time and it's it's lovely and all the little details in so many other little bits and pieces but because of those subtleties and because you kind of expect just to pick up on different bits and pieces like connie with the with the trombone um i think things get missed quite easily but it also makes this ending a little bit it's also very subdued, so you kind of go and very subtle, so you're kind of going, ah, oh. it left me feeling neutral, not not like, not numb, not bored, just neutral, just kind of going, ah. Oh. I fucking hated this ending. <laughs> uh I felt that there was a nice moment in the sacrifice and the acceptance of your fate, and going, yeah, sometimes sometimes it's not fair. Sometimes it's not fair, and yeah. uh, it wasn't about, I have a greater purpose to help other people. I thought that might have been the teacher side of things, to find the love in teaching could have been interesting. Yeah, to I thought it. maybe I, that was going that way. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was going like that with both of them, because 22 yeah, had this thing All the people like around them at the barbershop. Understanding people. I yeah. thought, oh, he's going to be like, or she, sorry, is going to be a counsellor, or so like she's going to find her... I don't know, it's not a purpose, is it? But, you know, she's going to find her calling to go and help other people in the world, and that's why she's here, and... And then he's going to realize actually he should have been a teacher all along, and that's where his true passion lies. And no, because the sequence of the piano kind of gets me to go that he's almost doing his own funeral, looking over his life and going, "Here's what I've understood." And then to then yield the rest of your life when you had all these memories and yield that to someone else, I thought that was powerful. And then when they go, yeah. "By the way, you can go back," it's like cheat code oh. he, I, I thought yeah. at that point we can't have it too depressing at that point then don't paint yourself don't write yourself yeah. into this corner exactly because th- there had to be another way you could have gotten 22 back back to earth and it could have been you reward 22 with a badge you know what i mean yeah. 22 thinks that they've given up their thing and 22 gets rewarded see i was kind of thinking because they make mention this lisa person who like he's got a crush <laughs> on or whatever <laughs> yeah and i, I was kind of going right okay well because obviously the baby souls come through into the world as babies because we yeah. told that about childbirth. So I was like, yeah. well, maybe he'll decide that he wants to find purpose in being a father or like he'll go and adopt a baby and it turns out it's actually 22. Or, that like, was my theory. Like yeah. something, something else to tie it Could in. there have been a bit where he's doing the montage and all the memories and then rather than memories then, he looks over and there's a picture of Lisa in a frame or a side of one photograph. Not a picture of her by herself because that's never, but the idea there's a group shot or something. Like that. As clearly there is friends, but he's looking at the picture and kind of, and then we sort of see him and rather than do that, he's going back for her. That might have felt something, not that she has to be the one he ends up with, but the idea that he's pursuing something just beyond music. He's been so singularly focused. And I 
thought the idea of him as a lost soul might have been an interesting thing to turn on, but it just felt like we wrote ourselves into a corner. Now we're out of it. How do we explain it? We we, we distracted him and flipped the abacus. <laughs> yeah. I did quite like that little it's a good joke look over there it's a good joke joke. but it made me feel like the the hour and 40 minutes i invested in this film emotionally to a degree but was just for nothing because you just fixed it anyway oh i totally agree with that like i didn't i didn't have any connection to this film whatsoever but i just liked terry all right well that's what we thought about the end of the film but we as a special surprise have a guest today guys you're all aware because he's already here in the waiting room <laughs> we have from our pause for the park segment we have andrew with us so let's just go ahead and give him a little bit of a musical hello andrew hello everyone how is everyone doing today well we have noticed that we live in the uk andrew and uh, i commented earlier but you forgot to wish us all a great big beautiful tomorrow and then like three days later we were put into a lockdown so i think some of this has to fall at your feet because if you had given us the the andrew Shevsky blessing we would not be in this situation today and the one thing I will say is that I did apologize on Twitter. For <laughs> we do, I, 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 did, I did read that apology out, actually. So. <laughs> but that is okay. We just got done talking about what we felt about the end of the film. If we can just, it seems weird, but let's start at the end, and then we'll just try to talk about overall feelings that you had towards it. Uh, it to summarize, I think Ethan went, eh, if I recall no, correctly. Oh, Ellie went, <laughs> eh. Giorgio and Ethan, you guys were like a bit muted, I think, about it all. It was unexpected. So. It was just kind of not cathartic, but just muted. And my yeah. and my extremely academic perspective was I fucking hated it. <laughs> so, uh, and if I can just may, I thought it was a cheat code. I thought it was they manipulated you into this beautiful moment between um, twenty two and Joe, where Joe realizes and accepts his fate and realizes accepts what's ahead for twenty two, and then as they're about to go ahead to the great final bit, go. Oh, we can't really have a Pixar movie end like this, can we? Let's just go ahead and get him back in the game because, you know, we don't want kids asking about death on the way out. So that was my perspective. How do you find the end of the movie, Andrew? I thought it was. I I agree with most of you. It was eh. I was kind of expecting something more. I was kind of expecting some kind of a post scene where, the, where they would actually expand upon what Joe did. But leaving it kind of ambiguous, I think it it definitely left him left a kind of message that you expect from Pete Doctor, who directed the movie. Like, he'd, uh, he felt like he did that in some of the other films they did, like Inside Out. Yeah. Um, I needed more from Joe. It felt like Joe just kind of went, oh, I'm done with music now. And I was just like, okay, great. What are you going to I'm going to go lay on a grate and eat a bagel? What's going on? Uh, Georgia. Yeah, so I was really expecting like a post, post-credit scene or something, especially if you watch it on Disney+, Plus, at least in the UK, there's 18 minutes there is of a credits. There is yeah. a post-credit scene. Is there really? Wait, is there a Wait, post-credit is there? Yeah, so I just had it on because I was enjoying the music and I just couldn't be able to turn it over. And there is like a 10-second post-credit scene, which is uh, Terry just being like, the movie's over. You can go now. And that was it. And Wait, then, it's just Terry oh. doing Ferris so Bueller? So it's nothing to do with yeah, Joe, it's, then. It's, it's just oh. Rachel House being like, Ferris Bueller. Oh, right, that's... Oh, and it, like, like a said... COVID meme? I think there's like a COVID joke, and then uh. that's it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's a bit rough. Okay. But, but over... 18 minutes of credits. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... fun. Uh, uh, overall, Andrew, though, what were your kind of thoughts about the film at large? I'll give you a couple of minutes here to just sort of uh, give, give, give your perspective on it. I really liked the movie. It was one of the 
I've been anticipating it since it was revealed because I thought it was an interesting premise and one of the best directors and one of the best and some of the best musicians ever on the on the planet so far at the moment composing for it. And the music was phenomenal. I think the plot overall, I have a very interesting story about the plot actually. I work at a big warehouse store near me and one of the things we had in stock was a soul th- a soul junior novelization like right before the th- that was out like i'd say like early december and my numbskull head decided i should go and look at that i flipped to the pages with all the art because it looked interesting and the first thing it says is as joe and 22 switch bodies and none of that was revealed (laughs) see i hated that uh I guess it's and you need it for kind of you have to have 20 I get for the, the story as it has to go 22 has to experience life and then how do you do that how much yeah. is Joe's body I could have maybe it's the fact that it was a cat I don't I, just, yeah. I, felt, I felt like I'd seen this movie before it was it was definitely more of a it took on more of a lighter tone than I thought it was going to overall and I'll say that about later but then but I thought it was I thought it was good. I think that the ending scene with the piano was absolutely phenomenal and it made me cry, which is which is something that I expect Peak Doctor to do in every movie he's done so far. See, you're the only one. Maybe it's I'm assuming you're 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 American, Andrew, is that correct? I'm American and I'm a musician, so There we go. Okay. That scene was amazing. <laughs> that scene was amazing to we, me. And also I live like four I live like an hour away from New York, so it was a good okay. close to my heart. There we go. Um because I don't know, maybe you guys are just. I mean, I'm Canadian. Maybe you guys are just a bit more in touch with your emotion. I usually, cry, I said this. I, I cry quite frequently at Pixar films, but I don't even think I was close in this one. Um, you know, the 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 bit where they separate hands felt like it was them trying to sort of redo Bing Bong and didn't quite get there. Bing Bong, of course, from Inside Out. Doctor's got one move, yes. one uh, move where yes. someone falls and someone doesn't. That's that, that, that's mm-hmm. always got. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, I just. Um, Anything um, else about it sort of strike your? I mean, what, what, we spoke about the three dimensional art versus the two D line drawing, and the sequence where he oh, falls, was, especially. I was a huge fan of that. Yeah, but I, I think that was also shown in the trailer, and I was kind of expecting more of that. But I also enjoyed how the characters, like Terry and the guy, and some of the other characters, were drawn throughout, like in the real world. That was very interesting. Yeah, and, we said we liked Terry, especially when he was in, in, the, in the bag of crisps, which... Yes. Like, that's really weird, because usually I, you guys just like crisps, yeah. But to you, yeah. that's not the same thing. Um, but yeah, when he appeared, like, in the ridges of the crisps and, like, yes. in the bag in front of David Diggs, who Ian didn't realise was um, playing at What's-His-Face, the bully, which cool. was cool. Yeah. Ooh. I did not like that character. And I say that only because... They marketed him so much as being in the movie, and he was in oh, really? two minutes. I'm well, very digs, isn't was, it? So I'm very yeah. curious now about the level of promotion this film received in the United States versus over here in the UK, because yeah. I think it was really quiet here, and I didn't hear much about it. So, was there like TV spots, Andrew, in the states pr- promoting that there this were was definitely coming? Definitely TV spots. Like, okay, during all of the like during the Christmas special that we usually have every year that plays on ABC, which is the Disney Parks Christmas special, they showed that like every other because a- ABC. Every other of course, spot. is a television subsidiary of the Disney Corporation. Of Disney, yes, yeah. So interesting because I don't, see, I don't have a TV license here in the UK. Uh, Ethan or Georgie, I think you guys probably do. Do either of you? Did you see anything promoting this? Not really. I'd usually see stuff on Instagram, but that was like 
that was it. I like, didn't on see the, anything very muted. on internet advertising. No YouTube preview ads. All I, I got was a bus. All I got was buzz off of social media from just people doing the job for Disney. So you usually see them like in the UK. If you're going to see an advert on like the TV for anything, it's usually a Sky advert, and it's usually got the characters from the newest Disney yeah. or Pixar film yeah. kind of in it. But hmm. I. I didn't even see that this year, so I'm not I'm not sure whether they just didn't didn't do it or if it didn't have the advertising budget over here. Yeah. I feel like it was promoted as much as The Mandalorian was when it first launched along with Disney Plus, which was relatively which was a decent bit, but like not as much as one would expect for a normal Pixar movie. No, it definitely didn't get the hype that mm. like even Onward got over here. Yeah. What about the voice cast? How do we feel about the voice cast? I mean, um So good. I think Tina Fey was really good in creating this almost almost this androgynous character because Ellie and I thought Mm -hmm. thought twenty two was a boy but the the whole film. I did. I told until until the very end when they started using the pronoun her. I thought twenty two was a boy. Tina Fey reminded me of uh, oh god the annoying short one from uh, Wreck It Ralph. Oh, yes, yeah, Vanellope yeah. yeah, it reminds me of Vanellope. Because <laughs> um, my my two one of my well, one of my issues with this film is it's very because it's very inside outy. Because you get you get half of um, you know Tina Fey and Amy Poehler in either of these films, and they're both basically the same thing. Yeah. Uh... Well, hang on. You know, Amy Poehler wasn't Vanellope, right? No, no, no. But in Inside Out, she's oh, okay. like, she's oh, in Inside Out. Oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She is. She is in Inside Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Joy. Basically, you've yeah. got you've got the Weekend Update SNL girls kind of doing their their, their bit. <laughs> well, that's a bad thing. But it was just it's so sad. See, see, I love Tina Fey. Like, like in all yeah. the ways. Tina Fey is like she's older, but but uh, <laughs> but I, I I love Tina Fey. Um, she Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, I'm not about to do Liam's. <laughs> On a Disney noise. podcast, no, <laughs> no, but but I do really like Tina. I think she's incredibly intelligent and funny, and uh, and and sharp and quick and all, uh, all those things. And I would uh, say her autobiography is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. although it was a a good character, I I, I it, it was what it was written to be. Mm. You could argue there wasn't enough of that Tina Fey. Tina Fey's at her best when Tina, because Tina Fey was the head writer for Saturday Night Live at one point. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Tina Fey is a writer and understands how to write for herself. And I'm not oh, sure yeah. Tina Fey's is effective when she's reading someone else's material. Would they give her some some room to improvise? Of, of, of course, I think so. Yeah, it's a, it's a Pixar joint. But um, still, I thought her performance was good. I, I think she could have done more with the character if she'd been given a little bit more. But then the question is, who do you give power over the narrative to? Especially in a narrative that was, uh, as Ethan said in our context corner, uh, very much a movement to surround this with not just a, a, a largely black voice cast, not just largely black characters, but largely black filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. I think this. They said this was the first. Um, like, I, th- I, I might be wrong, but I'm going to double check this because I believe this is like the first Pixar-led film with a specifically um, black-led writing team. Yeah, I think it. I feel like it was either co-directed or co-produced with an with another black lead, which was incredibly good. And I remember seeing, and he was in a bunch of like the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm. Oh yes, it is. Uh, it's it's uh, co-written. Oh, actually, there we go. okay. That's that's a little bit of progress. Yeah. Uh, so, um, 
Do you have any of the financials? Oh, you don't have any. Do you know what the budget was for this, Ethan? Did you happen to get that? Uh, I do. Actually, there are financials, which are really, really weird. So the budget of this was uh, $150 million. Jeez. Wow. And that's, I'm guessing, without, obviously, the the uh, promotion. But apparently, this made $32 million somehow at the box office. Yeah. Uh, apparently made a I... million in China, and then an additional... Eight, I think it said, uh, seven point six from ten countries. Yeah, I which thought I read like it was in Europe and it was playing. I, pretty, there were some I parts like of I Europe where the, where the cinemas did did open back up for a, a longer period than here in the UK. The UK was a very small window. See, my thought was just they were taking like from let's say the twenty fourth to the twenty ninth or something. It was just that yeah. sort of string of Disney Plus uh, subscriptions gotten then. Like what, Same with Hamilton. It's it's good for them to have an event, but a hundred and fifty million dollar event. I mean, I know they can. I mean, right now they're on a mission to kind of um, you know to overtake Netflix and Prime for like market share. So is that is that money well yeah. spent? Well, arguably, you've you've already spent yeah. the money. Uh, like Ethan, what's up next after after this? And the, it, what's next in the chamber? Do we know the Pixar or just Disney in P- general? Pixar. Um, I believe it's um. Changing Wait. Red, or the that that um, no. Red Panda film. I don't think it's that. I think uh, it's like something. To, what is it? Poor, I don't know. Here, I've got Luca. Oh yeah, yeah Luca. Yeah. That's what Luca. that is. That yeah. is it. And that then is Italian exactly Pete's it. Dragon. How and and, and then, of course, for, for Disney proper, is it was it, is it Raya and the Last Dragon? Last uh, Dragon, yeah. Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, I mean, how long can you hold on to these things before? Because you have to spread them out. I mean, that's what makes Disney properties their value is the idea that there is a, a, a kind of feeling of scarcity around it. Unlike Marvel or, mm-hmm. or, or, or the Star Wars TV series where you can't swing a dead cat without hitting three new Star Wars series. <laughs> but <laughs> like with his new Star Wars content proudly behind yeah. Exactly. But the, the idea being that uh, by dead cat, I don't mean the cat that was, as Ethan put it, murked. My, my least favorite word of 2020, murked. Oh, I love oh, murked. It's, I, it's I, know you, I know you do. Um, but <laughs> You know, the cat does survive. The cat runs off to with its like, you know, it's a therapy yeah, cat it and it runs back. back. It? So somehow its soul can come back. So I'm like, Colin Shenan. Well, I guess if Joe's can come back, I guess the cat, you know, we thought he was a goner, still. but the cat came back. Cats have nine lives. That's the answer to it. Cats have nine lives. This was only one of them. That would have been a fun joke to see, though, as well. It, it? it would. Like cats have yeah. nine lives joke in there somewhere. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, um, such is. I mean, uh, it's too early for any award talk, I'm sure. I mean, what actually, I be- apparently the Wikipedia was like, well, it's been nominated for like these many and won some as well. Okay. Uh, it's won Wait, uh, Best Original Score for the Chicago Film Critic Association, and it's won Florida Film. Oh, these are like, oh, Los Angeles <laughs> Film Critics. It's won. Hey, if this keeps up. Best you- Film, Best Animated Film. What? Sorry, it's. Nominated twice for the same award. All right, I don't understand. That's that's, that's how you know you have a small panel to choose from. Yeah. Is when you get nominated twice. Yeah, um, you get second and third. Let's do the usual sort of stuff. I, Andrew, I don't imagine there's anything from from like a pause for the parks on on this too much. But uh, is there anything? Well, there's just the standard. Well, because most of the parks are kind of closed at the moment. I hear that. Was just there was just much merch. And a few posters around the 
surrounding parts that were open but other than that that would pretty much be it not so much but, a pause for the parks as the fact that the parks they are paused yes. <laughs> yes there we go now my idea for the movie to actually come into this would simply just put the half the half note jazz club which is the jazz club he plays at in the parks put him in the i assume that like in every i think like most of the parks they have like a like shopping district so if you just put a jazz club in there just give it the soul branding and that's pretty much it to be fair there is a sports bar in the disney village in uh, paris exactly so, yeah we can have a we can have a jazz club as well that's fine. there you cool. go yeah there used to be a thing there used to be like this big like nightclub that they used to have in disney and downtown disney in florida and i would assume that's where you would put it in florida or you could put it in hollywood studios because they have a, like a california section that could be rethemed to new york for them and you could put it in there as well yeah that'd be cool i'd go to a jazz club in disney exactly definitely all right so let's go through our usual kind of theory so i think we've hit that time of the podcast where we're in the end game now and we are in the end game now so uh let's go oh geez i don't know how really has their sort of stuff set up let's go ethan andrew georgia ellie if we might so really kind of poor choice now but i'm gonna do my first one which is role of women so gentlemen we'll start off if you guys could tell me about the role of women in in this and then we'll and then we'll let the ladies respond <laughs> gentlemen first <laughs> well as a man i believe um i think i mean i mean to be fair if i can jump in there's a little bit where we're gonna be sitting here going there's a little bit where we're gonna, we're gonna be sitting here going this isn't our story ethan in a couple of different areas oh yeah <laughs> so first we'll talk about the role of women and then maybe we'll talk about the role of 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 you know whose story this is and how much yeah. we can comment on it so the first way in which you and i don't fit uh role of women I mean, I, th- I think it's okay, though you did say that you thought Tina Fey's character was male and well, I, also Rachel Howes' character, which isn't yeah. inner- well, inherently about, because they're, they're androgynous. I was going to say, I think, I think the souls are relatively androgynous. Yeah. Especially there's the bit when they're walking and 22 goes, this is all just a hypothetical. My voice could be this. Yeah. My voice could be this. And the idea of it, it's, it's, it's a performance in that perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think the souls are androgynous because they don't have bodies. And as a result... Um, you know, souls are kind of the very definition of non-binary. They're unary, mm-hmm. if you will, until you get yeah. down there. Is unary a word? I don't care. Just made it one. Sounds too much like urinary. Don't like yeah, that. I was going to say, it sounds like you've got a problem <laughs> yeah. that you need to see the doctor for. There we go. So, <laughs> Ethan, think, what else? I, I think most of the main women you have are very strong women. You've got um, Angela Bassett's character, obviously, who is very, very like strong since she has her band. The mother is. Is that? Wait, very- hang on, hang on. We didn't get th- that's Angela Bassett. Yeah, I glossed over yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, she's obviously very strong, so for sure, which is nice. She controls that band. The mother is very, very yeah. well done. She's a very strong, powerful mother, especially considering who it is now, like in retrospect. And even Connie. Connie is very young, but she she knows what she wants. She's very talented, and it shows that she has the ability to to forward her future. If anything, we see that he's a lot better at relating to women than he is to men. Mm. because there's those two yeah. there's those two women who also hang out at the clothing shop and work with their mom it looks like and oh, when they yeah. come in it's give us a kiss and even it's like come back and give me another one on the way it's, it's funny right yeah. um but but you've got that and it seems like he's been raised in many ways since his father passed he's been raised with this maternal presence not just with one woman but with this group of three women yeah so yeah, yeah. that's what i as a man thought about it andrew as a man <laughs> what did you think about it well there's another thing 
there's another character that you guys missed. The bass player in the band is also a woman. So it's oh, a half yeah. half the Yep, there so were some cutaways to her. <laughs> yeah, even though she didn't speak, but but no, I guess the idea of the, the the band is even fifty percent male, fifty percent female. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just that she can sing; both of them can play as well. Like they're, they're actual musicians. Hmm. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought the role was good as as a male. I think I thought it was decent. <laughs> and again, like Tina Fey can be whoever the heck she wanted to be. And again, I was re. I was really hoping for like a freaking post credit scene where we would actually see what would happen with him, with her character. But I guess you kind of have to leave it like ambiguous. I think it's like Onward where we don't get to see. Just like Joe, we yeah. don't get to see. Just like Ian, we didn't get to see. And I'm okay with that. Uh, I mean, I'm not I okay with that. But then it's the realization <laughs> that that's what they want me to do. And I'm like, it's effective storytelling. Generally, Pixar is really good at realizing where to place the audience. I guess it's kind of a story of two. Um, like a parallel teaching you freaking show some show your student like what you're going to do and sometimes you never see them again and they kind of go on to they hope you go on to go do great things indeed georgia role of women um i haven't got a problem with it i think it's quite good yeah um i appreciate that the the child that's a bit of a prodigy is a little girl that's quite nice um especially in a industry that even though Music is seen as a creative art. It's definitely one of the more male-heavy um, dominated ones in the actual musicianship. Singing is female, um, quite female dominated, but um, actual musicianship is usually skews male. So that was nice to see that. Um, I very much liked um, Dorothea. I thought she was great. Um, she made me laugh quite a lot. She seemed very down to earth and knew what was what, which was nice to see. I hear um, she was I- played by Angela Bassett. She was, yeah. yeah. When did you find that out? That's just something that came to me. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I appreciated that as much as it was annoying that it was mentioned at all and then not followed up, I appreciated there wasn't a love interest. That was quite nice. Didn't need it. Oh, yeah. If they, if I'll, I'll agree, it, but then why did they mention it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's okay. the bit that annoyed me. I'm like, yeah. either either, either have it in and give us, a, give us a bit of a reason for him wanting to come back or something like that, or just we don't need it at all. That's fine. It would have been nice not to have it at all. Um, I did love his mum, though. Um, and she said something when they leave the jazz club. She says something like that. Like, we're not young anymore. We got to go old. home because we're, we're old. old. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. that. That was that was brilliant. So, no, yeah, that was no, great. I, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Uh, Ellie. Yeah, I mean, basically all of the above. I think the only thing I have to add really is that I think all of the main sort of teachings of the film were from the women, which is good, I guess. So you've got um, Dorothea and her lovely fish in the ocean story. And, um, you know, you have that nice heart to heart with mum that makes him kind of understand where she's been coming from all this time. And even the principal's um, female. You, yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Um, and then obviously 22 teaches him a lot about life and stuff. But yeah, again, I think it's nice that she's, and quite an androgynous character and you don't i like the fact that i didn't realize it was yeah. tina fey yeah i like the fact that i didn't realize it was graham norton um Ooh. oh wow the american does not like graham norton wow <laughs> oh, i love Gra- no i love graham norton oh, okay i was the oh and the thing oh and the noticing it oh okay yeah, i didn't notice it yeah, yeah i purposely try to stay away from any casting and so i got i batted about 50 percent and somehow lucked into felicia rashad so yeah uh, but um i i'm the fifth person to talk about this so i'll keep mine short and sweet because it's the same as has been said 
I really liked it. I didn't realize how many of the main characters surrounding Joe were female and how many of the influences in his life were female. And I love the fact I didn't notice it. Yeah. Because it suggests it's normalized, and I'm quite cool with that. We don't have to. If I went, wow, I love that every character was a woman. It's like, uh, That's why, is that, why is that an event? Mm. Why is yeah. that an event? Like, okay, great. It's a story where there's a lot of women involved in it. That should be good. And as Not we real said. Life, Georgia, unless you're in Wonder Woman and you live on the special island. <laughs> unless you live in Paradise. As I said yeah, in yeah. Wonder Woman, out to, well, as we record it, out today. Uh, you know, that's not the, ma- the, the, the metric of a good film. That's the baseline is that you should have good representation. That's not the achievement. That's what everything should, should get to. And then we judge whether it's a good film after that. And so I'm sitting here going, it's achieved that. I love that it, that it achieved that. Now I can able to judge if it's a good film or not after that, which we shall. On that note, let's go back to where we came. So Ellie, favorite character, please. Um, my favorite character was Moonwind because Graham Norton is amazing. Okay. Same here. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think it was a really funny role. I really liked the, I really liked actually the, um, the part that meditation played in the film and that that was explored because it's kind of one of those kind of hippie woo woo things that doesn't really get touched on much in films. And it was nice to kind of see it from a soul perspective and how important it can be and the benefits it, has this different kind of interpretation to just kind of you know seeing someone with their legs crossed being quiet and going on <laughs> yeah although like the the tie-dye pirate ship doesn't do much to you know it kind of goes it, it, that part felt very cliche did it not i guess yeah but <laughs> i just that's like why i'd be grudging well it. yes <laughs> I, I like just, I just liked it. that they explored like the different ways that these people went into their meditation, meditative state, and uh, like how they kind of had this this freedom to do what they wanted in this other universe, and kind of their body was just sort of there doing its thing, but they were somewhere else. It's, and, like, it's really interesting because they had to be funny, but you're not laughing at them; you're laughing with them, and that was important because they have an important role in that film. In fact, some of the biggest teaching in that film comes from those characters. As much as I've, I wrote them off when they first showed up, there's an important message in that. So, such is. Uh, Georgia. Um, so, I love 22 okay. um, as a character and as a depiction of, well, it's a depiction of depression. I don't think it's a, um, it's not a surprise to anyone around this table other than Andrew, sorry, Andrew, um, that <laughs> I have suffered with that sort of stuff in the past and still continue to do so. I'm lucky enough to be medicated and usually quite fine now. Um, but those depictions of 22 when she's going i'm not good enough i'm not this i'm not that i don't know what my spark is i don't know what i'm living for i don't want to go and have a life because i'm quite happy just being neutral and not doing anything and kind of just chilling and doing nothing that resonated very very heavily it helped that she was 22 because what you said earlier that's my number um but yeah those watching that i was I think that's why it didn't get me emotionally because I was like, yeah, I'm with you, mate. Like yeah. I was, I was very much with 22 the whole journey and going, yeah, I felt all these things the whole way through. Um, and so when she kind of got, when she went and had like a little bit, so I was like, yeah, food is great. You are right. <laughs> food is fucking awesome. Yeah, it is. Like if I am sad, I'm, Okay, New Year's Eve, I was crying for no reason because I really wanted Chinese food and my mum wouldn't <laughs> let me order Chinese food. Like, and I was sobbing. I was oh. like, oh, I'm crying. I just want Chinese food. 
I didn't need the Chinese food. That was I'm over that now. But like, no food. Is- <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I know. I I might have to have Chinese at some point though. There we are. Um, but yeah, so no, twenty two resonated heavily, um, and I think it was a lovely depiction of um, depression in one in a way that isn't necessarily. It's not obvious. It's not even inside out levels of obvious. It's hey, you might recognize this. Very nuanced. Yeah. Yeah, and I. That's a good I, word for the film in general. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, I think you said um, whatever Graham Norton's character was, Moon, Wind, and Fire or something. Yes, Moon, Wind. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I freaking saw that he was com- – I saw him tweet something out, like I think it was like October, and seeing that he was in the cast, and I immediately was like, oh, this movie is going to be good. <laughs> and it seemed very in- – and he played a good character. And I thought – and like he didn't do – it wasn't over like done. It wasn't a- wasn't very hippy-dippy. It was a- – it felt like he was just like talk. It felt like he was on his talk show and just like talking with him, talking with like twenty two and th- and thing like as much as he could, like he would at any time. And it was very, it was subtle, and I like that. Excellent. Um, speaking of things that are subtle, and actually, you're neither of those things, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even get through that. Couldn't get through that. Uh, Ethan, what was your favorite? Who was your favorite character? Um, I'm gonna completely divert off what georgia said from being like deeply emotional connecting i just like terry because i think rachel Hills is hilarious <laughs> okay and watching her like literally kill a man and be like don't eat chips or you could die again <laughs> terry was my other choice i, I was i was <laughs> howling at that concept See, it's interesting that Georgia says 22 is her lucky number because 38 billion, 612. No, I'm joking. Um, mine goes to Richard Ayoade as, as one of the yeah. Jerry's. Uh, I think Richard Ayoade is an absolute British national treasure and, um, anything he's in is, today. is always clever and f- it's funny, but funny in a really clever, non-obvious, non-lazy way. And mm. so I do enjoy that and thought, uh, he added so much to those scenes um, that could have been that could have been kind of ham fisted without it. There was a level of not nuance, but there was a level of irreverence to the narrative almost without making it about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about this because we sort of addressed it. And Ethan, you were a little bit concerned before we kind of were like, maybe other people need to have, have the right to talk about this one first. Yeah. Is this a distinctly black narrative? Is this a black story or is it a story set? Is someone what we said about, about Coco or is this a more universal narrative set in a black community with black characters? I think it's a little bit of both. Cause obviously um, there's that hedge Georgia had last time that you're, <laughs> Ethan, join me on the head. Hedge, 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 hedge. Oh yeah, no, I think it's a bit of both because obviously he just happens to be black, but at the same time, Joe's dad even says, "Oh, this is like Black History. Yeah. This is like yeah, our, our, our music to to do whatever." This is what we contribute. Yeah. One of the biggest contributions we've given to American society mm. today, or something like that. And it was it was a lovely line. I mm-hmm. wish they'd have gone into it more, honestly. So I think it's so it's it's entangled within that, but you could also have that. You could have the story be anyone of any race, though there is always the, the questionability of should we? I've seen La La Land. I don't think the white man should save jazz again. Um, but <laughs> but I gotta think, save it from John Legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that was that's always a fun story. Something no, about think, something about fire. That's all I remember. <laughs> there's I think 
you can't have the same story and connectiveness that Joe has to jazz without, without bringing that in. And I think that's important, especially because this is a pretty significant Pixar film. When you break down the main plays of this film, this is the first black led Pixar film, I think. Well, in any, in any Pixar film, obviously, but because of that, I think it, can have some significance and a bit of importance to show that this is their story. All right, back the way we came. Andrew, anything you want to add to that? I think he explained it very well, and I th- I can agree with him. Georgia? Um, yeah, no, I do, agree with, I do agree with Ethan. I think there is a bit of a hedge set to do on this notion. Um, the story itself about souls and the coming of being a human and learning to appreciate the smaller things in life and 22's arc that is very that isn't that i wouldn't say that's a black story or a black narrative at all that's very much a that's anyone this is relatable when she's blue for goodness sake for the most of it so that is despite a lot of it happening inside a black man's body i don't think that story is particularly a black narrative um, however, the Joe's side of it, the jazz side of it, the finding out who he wants to be and why he feels so connected to the jazz music and his relationship with his mum and the women that bring him up and all these different and the relationship he had with his dad, I think that is more of a black narrative, more of a uh, like a black story, which I don't think works as well in if you just whitewash it. I don't think that story works as well. Um, I think there's tweaks that can be done to make it make the whole film applicable to any nationality. Um, but you'd change the genre of music or you'd change different bits and pieces. Um, but I think it works best in its in its context that it's in. Um, and I appreciate that there's a I appreciate as well that it's not it's not it's normalized. This doesn't mm. feel yep. like it's trying to be a black film which I'm all for, of course, but this doesn't feel like it's shoehorning and this goes, no, this is normal, which of course it is. And that's nice to see as well. And it's especially nice that it's um, that it's a Pixar film because you, there's kids that all watch this and just that won't even question it. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, and even when Pixar first started, which is only like, what, 25, 27 years ago, you might not have been able to, you wouldn't be able to make this film. Oh, no. Yeah. Because it wouldn't... Ha- draw an audience whereas now they're lucky enough to go yeah no take this this is one of our films we're proud of it this is our pixar film have it run with it um and it's one for one for a nationality that's and a race that isn't represented enough well in mainstream media yet so it's nice to see it mm, okay. especially by disney as well yeah eh, disney did have a for uh, princess and the frog about She's a frog for all of it. She's a frog yeah, okay, for the whole okay. movie. <laughs> uh, you can put you can put Oprah in it, but that's not enough. Ellie. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say what George just said about how it wasn't shoehorned in. So I was appreciating the fact it just felt very natural until Ethan pointed out the fact that he turns into a little like white blob for or bluey white blob for most of this. Oh, hang on, he's also a cat for large portions of it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that as well. Yeah, but I suppose at least a, a ginger cat. At least My his people actual again. body is there next to next to the cat, so I guess you get the represent. Yeah. But but then you just know you've got a whitey blue blob inside the black man. So it's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
that's really wound me up. And if you, if you want to get even that. more whenever, you've got a, I was like, this is great. <laughs> forget the whitey blue blob. You've also got a white actress voicing the whitey yeah. blue blob inside yeah. the black yeah. man. Yeah. I'm sorry for bringing that one up to everyone, except like, no, you're right. It's a big, it's a big issue. You're right. Yeah. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's not Jenny Slate and Big Mouth. You know what I'm saying? It's oh, not. Oh, uh, yeah. It's at least it's mm, not yeah. that because yeah. we acknowledge that she's a different character who's invaded that. There's, it's supposed to feel yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, I think my response to this is that I think it is a bit of a universal narrative. I do the idea about. Um, you could have made that. You could have set this movie in a different sort of situation, and it, it could have worked. Now, I'm not saying that therefore you go ahead and do it. The, the choice of the word "soul," especially when you compare that to music, I, I think oh. that has uh, intonations of jazz, or of at least of a, of, of a of a black community or of, of a black audience. I, I, I absolutely mm-hmm. adhere to that. It would not work the same if it was a polka band. It's not. It's it's nowhere near the same film, or 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 like or like a swing gap ad band. But I think the idea about how do you know what your heart's ambition is? How do you know when to give up on a dream? How do you know when it's time to shift gears? How do you know when things become obsessions? How do you know when you become a lost soul and you become fixated and you become lonely and you push things away and you live in the past? These are universal. These are universal statements. In a sense that something that was equally, sorry, not equally, but something that was also um, the first of its sort of uh, type, something like Black Panther, where you couldn't tell that narrative from a white perspective. You couldn't change that and make that story work. That story has to be about the black community for that film to work about what it means to be part of the black community globally, not just in Wakanda, but what it means to be a- across the globe and the, 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 the importance and responsibility that community has to each other. That's not what soul is. Soul is you could put anybody in a situation. Therefore, I applaud even more so the fact that we have a the decision to go with a largely black uh, voice cast, a, a, a largely black group of characters and a largely black filmmaking team. And I think that is significant and important because, as it has been said a couple times, I think it shows that it's not shoehorned, that it is normalized, and that we shouldn't think it's a big deal anymore. And I'm glad that it's not a big deal anymore. Uh, I, I I liked Soul. Um, I've got my issues with elements of it, but that's from the storytelling perspective alone and the fact they cheaped out on the ending. Just a thought. Um, so... Let's go on to the next bit, which is favorite moment. Favorite moment or element from the film. Favorite moment or element from the film. We're starting to run a little bit heavy, but we're okay. Ethan. Um, I really like this music. I think John Batista's fantastic with how he's done. And even like the stuff that, you know, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do. But it's it's constant throughout it. And obviously for a film which its main purpose is the lead character wants to pursue music. It's very, very good that it is constant, and I feel it. I barely ever notice scores in films unless the film sucks. So it was nice that there were segments where I was like, no, I just kind of feel engrossed in this, which is amazing for a film like this to do. Uh, Andrew? I, my favorite part was the final piano segment with him where he had the big montage of his life and he was just in on his piano playing it like that. Because I feel like as a musician, I've definitely done that a few times over and just being in the zone and just reflecting on how life's been. And you've you've re- relived your life as a cat? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah. Uh, but Kind, like, he's not used to your sarcastic he's comments. He's not. He's not used to me jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just like 
I relate to this movie a lot as a musician and like that final scene I was I cried. That's like with a one two that's like one of the two scenes that got me. And at the moment I can't remember the other scene that got me, but <laughs> that was the th- but like that was amazing. And it really was good and kept to the movie, except for the actual ending. Yep. Georgia. I think the animation is incredible as a uh, as just a standpoint. Uh the two D to three D is gorgeous the color palette is really lovely um i like the blues of um the great before um and the comparison of that to the very orange tones of new york which is very very nice mm. um i appreciate all of that i appreciated the subtle humor and i've said it twice now i really like just a box that really got me <laughs> it made me laugh um and yeah but most of all i I've never related to a Pixar character more. I don't think I've ever related to an animated character more than I have. Wow. Okay. 22. 22. All right. Yeah. I really, really appreciated that. All right. Um, Ellie. Um, Andrew's got something to add. Oh, sorry, Andrew, go ahead. I was wondering if I could butt in and ask, did you guys get the pizza wrap reference? The oh, there are two things that I was wondering. Did you guys get the pizza wrap reference? And Is this where the, the catch tr- reference? I got the Knicks reference. I made reference to that because yeah. okay, good, good, the good. Knicks suck um, and they have for a long time. Um, but it was, what's the pizza rat one? Because I saw the cat was pulling a piece of pizza in one direction, the rat in the other. They look at each other and make a decision. They're going to ignore each other as they keep going. Is that just because New York's oh, yeah, got rats? Is that what it is? No, because there was a pizza rat. In the, there was a meme going around for a long time that, that there, was a pe- there was a rat like, ju- like dragging a piece of pizza across the subway. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, it was real. That's okay. very okay. New York. Yeah. No, here we've got them in our in our McDonald's or so, you know, such as <laughs> in the year no, of the rat. That was so good. Like, yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, that was it. Uh, okay, so Ellie. Besides the pizza rat meme, uh, what what else was your favorite part of the <laughs> of the film? Um, well, I did appreciate the animation as well, but um, my favorite scene was the very first one in the classroom. Um, I thought it was just absolutely spot on for the different attitudes towards music and schools um very much kind of resonated with with connie there um and yeah i really really liked that scene and then it just all went downhill okay <laughs> uh, okay i'm just gonna piggyback off a couple people's things before saying my, my, my thing uh in the music just one thing I, we didn't talk about and i wish we had was in the sequence where they're hurtling towards earth you hear two different musical sort of things going on you have the piano very raw basic like hands on a proper piano just playing some 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 notes underneath it but you also have this like digital electronic bit going on top of it that ethereal theme and they start to separate much in the way that we're about to see the characters representative of those two things separate and i thought it's really clever and i love it when music use is clever because it, it doesn't happen enough too often it's just loud bit quiet bit minor key bit jingly bit and this was really really well like this was done with like intelligence when it was scored oh, no yeah no i completely agree with which you. I just which saying jingly bit. which absolutely i mean the, the idea of the marriage of uh, is, is it jean batiste uh, yeah, John Batiste. John, John Batiste and Trent Reznor. I mean, I think it's, I think that's what you're seeing there is that fusion, uh, which is great. Uh, George's bit uh, talking about some elements and just the idea we didn't talk about, about enough about New York as a character in the film. Mm-hmm. Like this is a film that, that yeah. really could only take place. It, you know, if it's in Shreveport, Louisiana, no disrespect to Shreveport, it's a much different film, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but my big uh, takeaway from this, I'll go my favorite scene. And my favorite scene is the scene where he comes clean with his mom. 
and Ooh, uses the cat good. and it ends with the suit and the idea he gets to wear his dad's suit and only when he comes clean does he actually get the acceptance and in many ways he's a boy trying to become his father trying to impress his father trying to do what his father never could uh and to have that uh tangible link to his father as his costume as his second skin i i really found to be a powerful uh image so all that's left to do now is do our little grumbles i'm going to start with ethan because i want to build to ellie's because i think she's going to have something so ethan why don't you go ahead and give me yours uh my only grumble is sort of what i mentioned uh earlier on before i do hate this running theme with a lot of animated films where you have a black lead they turn into something else for the entire film and it just stops whatever market there is to not watch it um and I was fine. I understood the reason why until the whole white woman going into his body thing. It just felt very awkward for me. But other than that, it's just other than like what you said about the plot. That's the main, that's the main glaring issue. Uh, my friend, I, when, I remember when she was watching it, she was just screaming about it to me because she was very annoyed that it happened again um did you have any issues with it when he was a ghost because i felt that as weird as it's going to sound when he was a soul or a ghost whatever we want to say he maintained i think it's the hat i don't know what it is but he kind of made he kind of maintains he had uh, that sense of himself he still feels like he's the same character and and, and his ethnicity is part of that yeah yeah it was more present there i think it was it was more the issue it was more just the thing of oh it's happened again Okay. But I understood it for soul. I think it's when you hit that halfway point and what happens happens that I went, okay, that's kind of tiring. I Again, for both, I understand it in the plot and yep. it's very difficult to do it in a way that doesn't just be, oh, Joe's got his body back, but it's just a bit annoying. All right. Um, Andrew. So my little grumble is Paul, which is the character that Davi Diggs plays. I am just mad that like, you have one of the best act, one of the best actors at the moment who sings and does excellent rap, and you just give him anything, and that's the character that you give him. He doesn't sing, he doesn't do anything. He just stands there for two minutes, makes a cheap comment, then goes in, then gets out like roasted by twenty two, then falls in a hole, and then gets scared by a bag of chips. <laughs> and How? if you look at him, and he felt more in the marketing than some of the characters that actually had more lines and more time on the screen. How long ago would they have recorded the voices for this? I would think like last year at least. It's like got to be obviously year, bef- maybe because early it, last year. Maybe it's our perspective, and maybe Georgia and Ethan, you guys are a bit more up on this than I am. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here. But if I like the V digs, at least my acknowledgement of who he was, or even what I felt in the mainstream over here, didn't really occur until after Hamilton was broadcast on Disney Plus. He'd been a bit he was- present. Okay. Uh, he did like one or two films uh, with like, I think yeah. he did that Owen Wilson film, Wonder. Yeah, Wonder. Um, okay. And he was in, he's, he was an unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt for about a season, I think. Okay. But he didn't feel to me like he'd been, it was a cool trivia point, but I was going, you've wasted David. It's just in the sense that where his star power was at that time, I'm not sure. Andrew, if you want to give me the American perspective, I'm glad to hear that. Well, he felt way he felt like he was in a bit, a large part of the marketing and again, oh, okay. That's he was more of a market. <laughs> he like, if you look at, or at least I saw him on Google right now, he is first billed on the cast is, of Google. Yeah. 
Really? Um, and he He's has fat, two minutes. He has like two minutes of lines. Yeah, fair and enough. If you're gonna, and I get like you got him in the company because you did Hamilton, and then he's also going to be doing Sebastian and Little Mermaid. Yes, he is. We're excited so excited for that. Uh huh. I like the sound but, of that. Like, but like, give him a bit of a more of a role. It seemed like the character was like left over from another draft, and they were going to establish him more. Hey, at least put at least put him down in the subway and have him be the guy on the guitar. I don't know what we're compl- what, the part that doesn't speak. Oh, he sings a bit. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, he sings a bit. He was in the barber shop. He got to be in the room where it happened. Come on, <laughs> I'm going to use that joke okay. every time I can. Uh, Georgia, okay. Um, I think mine's just that story in places didn't feel quite fleshed out enough. Um, I think there were just a few gaps where it was being very subtle, which in some places, like I said, I appreciated. In other places, like storytelling, um, it felt a little bit lacking. That's that's would be my grumble with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ellie. Um. So you asked, you said to me earlier to find the comments that I'd seen across Facebook that had been kind of different views and things. So I thought just just before I like shit all over this, I'd just give you some <laughs> other positive perspectives. So yeah. Um, so someone said it's clever on so many levels. Someone said that's mm. definitely an Oscar. Someone said, oh, my God, it's an amazing film. Um, one of my friends today, um, I had a, a brief chat with her about it because I was like, eh. Um, and she said that because life has been harder than ever right now, it made her really appreciate what she has. And she really likes like the little kind of morals of the story and stuff. And I don't have a specific one grumble about the film. I just really didn't get it. It didn't do anything for me at all. I was bored and I got to the end of it. I watched this with my mum last night and we both just sat there and went, eh. Like, it it wasn't interesting. The storyline wasn't, like, particular. As George said, I could have done with some more fleshing out, I guess. Like, I, lo- I appreciated some of the little characters and some of the quirks in the film, I'm, but I'm always going to appreciate little bits like that. It's still a Pixar film at the end of the day, but this is not what I expected from a Pixar film at all. It was not at the same caliber. This I didn't even really like this as a film, let wow. alone. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, quick question, because we talked about the friend who said, I'll, I'll give mine in a second, the friend who said this should win the Academy Award what else is this going to be up against when it comes time for oscar I season think that when i read it like, sonic. sonic it probably will win an oscar because i don't know condition. i don't know if sonic will get the sonic oh, there's nothing won't else out against, there won't it be against onward yes when, it would when be is against the, when onward. Is the crossover is it January? that's definitely in there onward was a 2020 really yeah i think yeah. it was so probably it was a probably, march it'll be probably onward versus soul i'm trying to think of anything else big yeah. came out oh wait wolf walkers which is, it was more of an indie animation film. It was on Apple TV here. It was, there was, they also did like another one, I think it was like Soul by the Sea or something of the nature. It looked very good. I haven't seen it because I don't have like an Apple device, but it looks really good. I don't know if there's anything, I don't remember anything else coming out this year, I, but yeah. Maybe the Crudes 2 or something, who knows. Oh, yeah, that came out. I forgot about that. What was that thing? Uh-huh. Was, was, was the Croods 2 what went right to, to, to digital release? I think Croods 2 and Trolls 2? Trolls, Trolls yeah, World Trolls Tour. Trolls 2. Yeah. Trolls World Tour Trolls is going to be. Tour. That's what's yeah, going to be. Win. And the Oscar goes to. <laughs> um, best film. Like, Not I even think, just animated picture. Best film. No, nah, that's Sonic. We all know it's Sonic. 
Bad Boys is gonna. Uh, uh, Bad Boys is gonna is one one the year at the box office. Yeah, that's what I saw. What you? That is insane. Um, so my grumble is I've said it, it's 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 the story. The story is flawed. Uh, not the script. The script's fine. The script's actually quite good. But the idea about here's where we start, here's where our middle, here's where our end is. There's elements that are introduced and not paid off. Lucy, the bit about being a teacher. Lisa, felt, Lisa sorry. The bit that see, she's not mentioned enough for me to even remember. Um, th- there's the bits about being a um, teacher, which felt like it was leading to something and doesn't. The story is so... It didn't have... Call a spade a spade. It didn't have the stones to do the ending it should have done. Yeah. Once they wrote themselves into a, into a situation, they didn't have the, the organic end of that story is he goes up the stairs and that's that. And re, re, maybe have him go off. And just as you hear the, zzz, the zzz, whatever it is, we, we, we switch instead. And our focus is on 22. And, you know, like there's a, a little baby, boy, as a baby, a baby, yeah. a baby 22. And maybe there's a piano in the background. Just not, not, not that he's part of it, but just that there's still moments, remnants, something, maybe lying face down or moving or reaching for a piece of pizza or a bagel or something that ties in the experience they've had so that you don't really die because there's portions of the memory that last forever. And that would have felt like a more that would have felt to me like a more Pixar end to a film. And I know it's the opposite where they like to kill people in the first act <laughs> or the sidekick in the second act. But if, you know, like mm. they wrote themselves in a place where that was the right ending for the film and they chose not to go down that direction because they just didn't have the nerve to see it's how that plays. It's a sense of like positive melancholy, if oh. that even makes sense. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but you kind of like he breathes, but you're like, you don't, you seem like you're sad. Like you're like, yeah. I'm going to appreciate this because I will die soon. And it's like, no, like, you know, have him be like running into the classroom. Going, you know, Hey, put the phone love, away. I would love Give me a bagel. He, he gets like, I'm going to live my life to the fullest and immediately gets hit by a car. And he just <laughs> ends up right back where he is. He's back. Steven. Counts right. <laughs> <laughs> there's your post credit scene <laughs> just terry like pushes him in front of a bus <laughs> all right so all that's left a uh, couple things uh ethan you don't happen to have any reviews for us do you uh i don't i can i have I'll do you. excellent you, uh so georgia why don't you go ahead uh for the rev- do we know what the rotten tomato score for this was i'm assuming it's like 98 percent or something like that i think it's 95 or yeah. 96 Seven, yeah, 90, 95 on Rotten Tomatoes. 95. 90, there you go. So American and British are Rotten Tomatoes both say 95, even with the exchange rate. That's good to know. So, oh, j- wait, I'm looking on here right now. It says 96. Thing? 96? It's increasing. Ooh, <laughs> it's increasing. So it must be uh, Ellie's friends who posted stuff on Facebook have changed the count. But Georgia, mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh, yes, I've got a few. And some of the top critics, they're not all um, tomatoes. Some of them are rotten. Um, well, on here, so some of them aren't fresh. Then they're all they're all yeah. tomatoes. Oh, the, yeah, the, the the rotten ones. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know what the lingo is. Okay. Um, but anyway, I've got a few. Um, one from um, Mark Commode from the Guardian said. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to become blasé about the visual brilliance, both technical and artistic, of Pixar's output, but Soul really is a treat for the eyes. Fully agree. Uh, completely agree with that. Um, then. Um, in contrast to that, we've got Stephanie uh, Zacharek from Time Magazine. Hack. Oh, okay. I don't know her. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, in its attempt to provide clever answers to unknowable questions, Soul just makes everything more confusing. 
Um, which a little reductive, but all right. But yeah, I I, yeah. I, I get where it's coming from. Um, and then finally from our um, from Richard Roper, who is for the Chicago Sun Times. Obviously, we don't have our former anyway. former partner of Roger Ebert. Yeah, he um, he gives it four out of four and says Ooh. music wallpapers every frame of soul with uh, Trent Reznor and. Articus Ross sure to be nominated for another Oscar for their jazz infused score. I would totally be okay if that won best score. Oh yeah. yeah. Totally. Oh, totally. Totally. This could this could win the Oscar for that and I won't bat an eye. The music was the sole reason uh, I didn't stuck around in the huh, credits. Sole soul reason. <laughs> Um, so, and one more from friend of the podcast, Debbie said, watched soul last night and loved it. Loved the story and the animation. Why didn't the cat die? Because it's got eight lives, Debbie, eight more lives. Also never thought I would say this, but Graham Norton was brilliant. Why wouldn't you say that Graham Norton was brilliant? It's not like you're saying never thought I would say this, but Nickelback are an enjoyable band. That's the kind of, I never thought I'd say this sort of thing you want to say. Uh, never thought I'd say this, but yes, give me more Frozen movies with extra Josh Gad. That would be a you know a surprising, you know. Never thought mm-hmm. I'd say this. To so, be fair, I don't want more Frozen movies. But okay, I love Josh Gad and Frozen. Uh, I bet you're getting a Frozen three. So, um, oh, they'll keep doing it till it stops. They'll do it till it stops. Oh my god, you could so the E in Frozen can be a three. Oh, there we go. Frozen three. Yeah, uh, Frozen three. Frozen with a vengeance. Um, so. We've frozen the third. Frozen the third. Frozen revolutions. Um, frozen catching fire. There you go. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Let's do our Pixar ratings. So here are the Pixar films we have done to this point in order. We have done Coco, Brave, The Incredibles, Toy Stories, Cars, Toy Story, singular, sorry, Cars, <laughs> Onward, and Soul. That would be seven films. Seven films. Andrew, by any means, you're you're welcome to come ahead and give us a rating out of ten, or if you want to try and do some sort of ranking by all means go ahead but let's start off give you a chance to think we'll have ethan go ahead ethan where does it fit on your list of seven please as always give us your numbers around it so i've given this uh a rank this at five which is below the incredibles and above cars um out of curiosity what's the bottom of the list brave (laughs) okay so brave at seven cars at six this at five yeah okay i think the thing is everything above soul is so good so like soul is that middling good good but not great pixar so it's where i'd put like i don't know toy story 4 and stuff like that it's good it's enjoyable it's in that rank but it's it's like b tier not s tier oh you're such a modern man with your tears oh, on yeah. YouTube videos. Oh yeah, I'm I'm always I'm always. I don't even know what he's talking about. <laughs> I I know of it, but yeah, I've got other things to do in my day, uh, like 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 this, like host Disney pod. Like, you should I go? Let's do more podcast stuff. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> any sort of uh, way that you want to rank this or place this? Well, I have all seven. If you want, oh, me to go well, tell that. you what, then go from seven to one. Walk us through it. Cars is number seven. Brave is number six. Okay onward i saw that in the theater like right before lockdown started it's relatively good for the for the voice acting cast that they got it's a decent movie number four is coco which i have relatively low i know but there's also only seven on here i think before today i know each of i think each of the rest of the four of us had coco in number one or two did we not yeah Yeah, it was two for me it was two until two uh, two one one wasn't it 
Yeah, it's, onwards, yeah. onwards, my one. Yeah, okay, but back to Andrew and his very wrong ranking of it in fourth. Go ahead. So Coco's in fourth. <laughs> I, I really like, I like <laughs> the top three a lot. That's fine. No, I'm, just, I'm just busting chops. Go ahead. And then I have number three is Soul. I really like this movie. It felt really personal to me. Number two, I have Toy Story. It's the reason why they have what they they're the empire that they started like so many years ago. And number one is Incredibles. I like a lot of Brad Bird's work. Iron Giant is an amazing animated film, which I think should go on best film ever if it ever gets the chance. Everyone, everyone's giving us rep, uh, recommendations these days, but yes. <laughs> but also, Incredibles is a amazing superhero movie. It was the, it's one of the first ones that actually like did the superhero movie right outside of the Batman and Superman movies. Okay, so you had a three. And we heard you have Incredibles at at three. Yeah. And you have Incredibles at one, just out of curiosity. Yes. And you had Coco at four. I remember that. (laughs) And the Iron Giant does qualify for best film ever. I know it does. Yes. (laughs) I know it does. Jeez. Along with about a thousand other films. (laughs) Georgia. (laughs) I forgot what. What was the qualification for best film ever? Uh, if it was interesting, best, best film ever, uh, generally to make it on our list, it's got to either reach an 8.0 or above on IMDb or an 85% or above on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, Special okay. compensation can be made in the case that a film wins best actor, best actress, or best film without reaching those criteria. So right. I think, for instance, Gladiator, I don't think it qualified on its own. I think it qualified on the fact that it's uh, won best picture. So, okay. Ellie. Wait, Georgia. The new Georgia. Georgia. So you're coming back to me. Um, I have got Soul at five as well. I do not have Cars ranked because I wasn't here for that episode. And okay. I didn't watch it recently enough to remember where it was. Um, but in six, I've got Brave. And in four, I've got Incredibles. Okay. And Ellie. Uh, I've got it at six, which is below the Incredibles and above Cars. Wow. So I am the high watermark on this one i have soul at three wow really? yeah, I, have it, I have it above brave and below onward before you start thinking you and i are kindred spirits uh there andrew i have coco at one and the incredibles at seven that's all i'm gonna say about that. Okay, but no no I, I like soul we just lost a fan i like no, I, 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 if, oh, if, please no if, if, if anything the disagreements are part of what makes the podcast fun to do and this one we get a little bit more of that than we do on best film ever but it's um so i enjoyed and it was subtle and i've got problems with elements of the story but there was no i appreciate them doing something different uh even if there's something different at times felt like a rehash of coco but yeah uh so that's where i am a bit of coco and a bit of what was everything i said it was a bit of onward a bit of you know we realize halfway through that the thing the protagonist wants shouldn't be the thing we want anymore and certain stuff is kept from it, it's it's all very nuanced and i like it um so at number three it is for me so all that's left now we are very long on time ethan i gave you a couple of hours this turns out and he's are you like <laughs> frantically are you just realizing now you've got to come up with a film i don't know if you saw it on the call just now but halfway through it says what oh shit <laughs> I, realized I had to find a film okay and because of my algorithm on disney plus it's all star wars so i'm trying to find something that's actually disney all right um 
While Ethan looks stuff up, I'll take this one more opportunity to thank Andrew for coming on for our Endgame segment today. It was good to have you on. Um, and you can catch uh, Andrew's um, content here most weeks as he contributes to our pause from the parks. That's our pause for the parks. So thank you very much, Andrew. And I would like to say thank you for letting me come on this podcast. I've, l- I've been listening for what's been the better half of the last... Actually, no, I started in like april listening to the podcast and best one ever and it's been amazing listening to the podcast and seeing it grow and being able to take part in this and now actually being in it hey yeah and again and to remedy what happened last week i would like to wish everyone (laughs) a great big beautiful tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) and you there we go uh ethan how goes your algorithm crunching there is it any better is it better than the algorithm crunching in what was that beginning of the movie no what was there an algorithm in i just saw the other day nine pieces to an algorithm oh tenet. oh it's tenet jeez oh tenet Christ. if you I want like to, that we both forgotten that already coming soon see it or skip it on tenet on best film ever uh boys night so ethan what do you have for us I have a uh, a nice throwback to the 90s, a film that I forgot existed until this morning, so I'm glad that I remembered it now. You're really um, selling it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you guys might enjoy this if you know anything about a good old singer called Powerline. We're going to be looking at a very goofy movie. What? Oh, Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Wait, hold I said it. very goofy. Sorry, a goofy movie. Yeah, yeah I was okay. about to say. There's extreme the sequel. Sequel. Yeah, a goofy movie. We're going to be seeing. We're <laughs> no, gonna be seeing a... Hopefully, we'll be seeing eye to eye with this one, which, from me interaction, I don't think we will. Well, we don't know. I, mean, I might end up. I haven't seen. I promise you, I haven't seen this one since literally it first came out. I've so, never seen it. Maybe, I just remember lots of like pizzas. Oh, I yeah. remember. You know who's in this is, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Pauly Shore. Pauly oh. Shore has a part in this. You can't get much more 90s, early 90s this than Pauly Shore. This is probably, I think, the most 90 Disney film you can get. Like, you got that cheese whiz. You got everyone got those weird little glasses. You got weird yeah. print stuff going uh, on. I am convinced it will not be as offensive as uh, what's sure to feature in uh, one of our two best of, worst of shows, <laughs> The Wild. I don't think it's that level of bad. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I chose this one because I genuinely enjoy it. Well, there so. we go. <laughs> It's a really good movie. So please join us next week as Ethan brings us the cinematic classic that is a goofy movie for Talking the Mickey. I have been Ian. I've been Andrew. I've been Ellie. I've been Ethan. And I've been Georgia. And I'm sorry, we tried to do our very best today. And if we didn't quite measure up, hey, what can we say? Humans are basic. We'll see you next time. I'm just trying to think now of an exit line from soul. <sighs> what did we talk about? What did we I talk like about? Disney plus was like, yo, do you want to look at Ichabod and Mr. Toad again? <laughs> no. <laughs> Ichabod and Mr. Node. Um, this is the bit that you uh, don't normally get to hear. Yeah. It's like five minutes of death. Like five minutes. Give me a break. I've got something. I don't know. We had a, we had a couple um, of I've got something. I just don't know if it's what I want to do, but I'll go ahead with it, I guess.
All right. Um, there we go. There we go. Hey, got it. Got it. I'm there. 